This is Patty Davis. I'm a psychic intuitive and medium coming to you from Humboldt County in Northern California. And I'm Judea, a psychic intuitive energy healer from the island of Kauai. And together we're spirit speakers where we meet to discuss a variety of topics from two different psychic vantage points. Hello, and welcome to this special episode of Ghost Stories number three. We're super excited about this one. We opened it up to our listeners, and we had so many people submit ghost stories of their own, and we're going to share those with you today. And I want to give a shout out to my partner, Jude here, who does all the editing and is just magical at that. Well, she edited all of these stories and kind of cleaned them up a little bit and sent them over to me. And I was listening to them night before last when I went to bed. And I ended on one of the scarier stories and I closed everything down and turned off my lights. And I swear to you, I heard knocking and banging and noises all night long and got no sleep whatsoever. So I want to warn you ahead of time that some of these are pretty trippy and you might want to listen to them during the day instead of right before you go to bed. Jude, I'm going to hand the mic over to you before we dive into some of these wonderful stories. Hi, everybody. You know, it was kind of funny when we were coming up to Ghost Stories 3, which has sort of become this yearly tradition, and Patty had reached out to me and she's like, do you have any good ghost stories? And I was like, I mean, I got some, but I told all my good ones in the first two episodes and Patty was like, me too. And we're like, oh, what are we going to do? Not that we don't have ghost stories, but they're just not as juicy as the first two. And so we decided to open this up to our listeners and let's hear what the audience has. I'm sure they have many amazing ghost stories. And as serendipity would have it, as we've stated before, every time that Patty and I do a podcast and there is like a theme around the podcast, there always seems to be this energy stirring up around it. So after we had opened up the submissions, I actually ended up having a really intense ghostly encounter. And it's literally probably the top three of my life shortly after we opened this up. So I actually do have a ghost story, a great ghost story to share with you, but I'm going to save it for the end. I can't wait to hear about that. I was, I was thinking again, like what ghost stories do I have? And even though I don't really have stories, I have a lot of little short blippy things that happen. Like, and I think I told you the other night I was home alone and I was in the shower and I heard a muffling man's voice, like, like a man talking. And I thought, uh Oh, what, what is that? And then all of a sudden, and this sounds really weird. I just had this really strong, I was hit with this really strong smell of grilled meat and I'm a vegetarian. So when I'm hungry, it's not like I imagine smelling grilled meat, but it was so strong. And it's crazy because those are the kind of things that happen to me where I'll hear a little bit of a voice and I'll smell a cigar or like this, I smelled meat or I'll see something fly down the hall. Mine are little blippy things. And I'm just wondering if that, because of who I am and how I handle things, if I just cut it off, like right then before it actually evolves into much more of a story. Possibly. I see you as a much more embodied light being than me. I do carry a lot of light, but I also carry a lot of shadow in my aura. And I think it's so that I can kind of disguise myself into those lower dimensions. So I can do that, you know, shadow work. So yeah, that makes sense. It's a great theory. But like, how weird is it being haunted while you're naked in the shower for crying out loud? <laughs> like, no, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> By the smell of meat. Yeah. <laughs> meats. Bizarre. We got so many great submissions that it was honestly, from my end, super difficult to have to cut anybody out. So I apologize to anybody who didn't get their story in this episode. 
I wish we could have fit everybody in there. If we ever do this again in the future, please submit it again. Uh, some of the stories just simply didn't make it because of the audio quality, and but they were really great stories. I think it's really amazing because there's such a wide array of experiences. And while I was listening to them, I resonated with each one of them on some level, like, oh yeah, I've seen that, or I have a very similar story, or, you know, it, I realize how similar the paranormal realms are across the board hearing these. So this has been very validating even for me. And uh, Patty and I are going to make some comments on your stories and just kind of give our little insights or feels about what we heard. Let's start with the first story. Hi, my name is Kristen. I live in Massachusetts and I'm submitting my ghost story for you. Um, my husband and I, a few years ago, bought a very well-loved house um, where the, the previous owner had beautiful uh, perennial gardens that, you know, they, they would bloom. The entire gardens would, would, would bloom in the same color in waves. And it was just, you know, such a treat. And at the closing, um, the, the woman who had passed, her, her son actually came to the closing of the house just to meet us and to let us know how much his mom loved the garden. And we lived next to a cemetery and we knew that the previous owner of the house was <clears throat> buried in the cemetery. And so we lived there for a couple of years and, you know, would walk our dog in the cemetery almost every day. It was quite large, um, the, the cemetery, and I would always look for her grave because I wanted to um, give her flowers from, from the garden and, and leave flowers from her garden um, with her in her resting spot. And it, a few years had passed, and one day, um, it was actually the day after I had suffered my first miscarriage. I was up pretty early and I was walking the dog and I saw a group of people kind of dressed all in black standing in the middle of the cemetery way up in the distance. And I thought, hmm, it's pretty early for a funeral. I don't see any cars. Um, but I kept walking and just the closer I got, I noticed that there were no cars and then all of a sudden everybody disappeared. So they were kind of in the middle of the cemetery, more in like a grassy area. So off, off the road. And I walked over to exactly where they were standing and I looked down and there was her grave. There was the previous owner of the house um, who had 10 children and raised them in that house. And I just felt like it was a really nice sign from her um, for me to kind of bridge me over to, to motherhood and make that connection with her. Um, and so then, you know, for, for years to come living in that house, we would leave her flowers from her garden all of the time. We've since moved away. And whenever I'm back in that area, I always stop by and leave her flowers. Thank you. Whoa, Kristen, I love that story. That is so good. I have goosebumps. You know, graveyards and cemeteries are so magical. And I might have shared this before. I love cemeteries and I made my family on one of my birthdays go walk through the cemetery. We have this really lovely old, old cemetery with really old headstones that I love. 
and we were walking around and my son was about three or four at the time. And he was kind of lingering behind us and he's laughing. And I said, Hey, you know, honey, come on. And he's like, no, I want to stay here and talk to this boy. He's so funny. And I backed up and looked and he was talking to a boy that had passed when he was about his same age. And some of the stones have toys on them or they have toys like laying around. And this one did not nothing that he could recognize that would let him know that this was a child. So your story really reminded me of that. It's just so beautiful that she reached out to you. I love this. Yeah. And I think this is a really great example of how spirits are not always malicious, even though they can feel spooky and scary and we feel like we want to be away from them, but they are not very much different than the living. And even in the spirit realm, they can feel a fondness or a bond to the new people who have moved in. And I just think that's really beautiful that she made a point to reach out and uh, make a connection with you. So beautiful. Thank you. Aloha, my name is Charlene and my ghost story took place in my home here on the big island of Hawaii. It was about 13 years ago. I was a stay-at-home mom. My twin boys were a little over a year old at the time and it was just a normal chill day. My husband was at work and the three of us were hanging out in the family room and all of a sudden I see a woman's figure standing in the corner of the room just a few feet away from where my boys are playing. An old woman with white, shoulder length, wavy hair. She was wearing a long white nightgown. And I remember having a look up at her and it wasn't because she was very tall, it was because she was levitating about a foot or two above the ground. I could see her features so clearly, but there was this transparency about her. I couldn't see through her, but there was this glow about her. It was almost like she was made of light is the best way I can describe it, I guess. So I recognize this woman. I had met her once before. It was my husband's grandmother who had passed away four or five years earlier. Her name was Helen. So Helen turns to me and she says casually, you know, I never had the opportunity to meet the twins. I just wanted to stop by to see them. Okay, so yes, I willingly hand over one of my boys to this frail, levitating 90-year-old woman. <laughs> but I just stood there in awe, completely mesmerized by her presence. The feeling of comfort that I felt at that moment was unimaginable, so peaceful, just 100% pure love. She held him in her arms for just a short while. The entire experience seemed to last only seconds. And then she thanked me and told me that she needed to go. That before I could say or do anything else, my eyelids open up and there I am laying in my bed in the middle of the night. Everyone else in the home is asleep and I'm thinking, what the heck just happened? Just really confused. I mean, there was no way that was just a dream. It felt so real to me. So that's my story. Thanks for listening. And I'm really looking forward to any insight y'all can provide. Aloha. Wow, great story. I love this. Um, we've said it before in previous podcasts, but 
the dream time is a really great way for spirits to make a connection. I think we're more relaxed. We're more open. The dream space serves as a great bridgeway for spirits to make connection. And I think, you know, when you're having a connection with somebody who's crossed, when those dreams are just so lucid as she explained. And I just think that this is a really beautiful visitation from the grandmother. Awesome. This was such a good story. And now my question is, I'm not really even sure how to put this. I wonder if it was actually a lucid dream that she was having, or if there was some kind of glitch in time where this was an experience she had, and then she was put into the dream state and woke up so that she could handle it easier or understand it a little bit easier. Does that make sense, Jude? Yeah, I've actually had a similar experience, not with a ghost, but with one of my ET visitations where I was visited by these beings and we spent many hours together and it was just as real as real to me. And right after I hugged them and said goodbye and thank you for visiting, I woke up in my bed and I had a hard time believing that it didn't actually happen. And so was that a lucid dream? Was it a time glitch? I don't know. But at the end of the day, I think it's the actual experience and what it invoked in us that's super important. And what a great gift to be able to connect with loved ones who've crossed over. However it is, we want to define how that happened. So this next one is about Ouija boards. So I was, um, I was about 12 years old when I bought a Ouija board. I always had an interest in the uh, paranormal and I brought the board home and uh, me and my brother and my cousin you know uh, half-heartedly just tried using the Ouija board and nothing happened and then we became aware of um, of uh, I believe my brother came across this information uh, he downloaded a like a prayer I believe it was like like a poem that we were to recite and it had very specific instructions on reciting the poem as we took the planchette the ouija board planchette i believe it's called and we did a figure eight with it while a candle was lit at the top of the board very specific instructions and after we did that we uh, attempted to contact a friend who had passed away we'll call that friend johnny you know, after we do the figure eight, we speak out loud, you know, is this Johnny? We are looking to contact Johnny. And we waited. And then I swear to you, the planchette started moving. We all three of us had our hands above the planchette. We weren't touching it. I believe those were instructions as well. You know, you're not supposed to touch it. You're supposed to hover above it. And uh, we were asking Johnny questions, yes or no questions. Uh, we were aware of the information to try and keep your questions to yes or no so uh, the spirit doesn't have to exert a lot of energy to spell things out. So we were asking mainly yes or no questions and um, it was going to yes or no and it, we were we tried getting specific with questions and uh, we were satisfied with the answers, you know. And after the first time, after we wrapped it up, at the end you're supposed to ask spirit for permission to leave the Ouija board and we asked, you know, okay, we're going to go now, Johnny. It's great talking to you. Can we go? And the planchette moved to yes. You take your hands off the board. We locked, we packed it up. And I remember after that first time, I thought I had a direct line to heaven. I felt, you know, like truly special. Like it, it felt awesome. Like I had a direct line to Jesus, to God. And we did it a second time. Followed the instructions, did it a second time. And we were satisfied with the experience 
And the third time, I remember uh, the third time, um, yeah, I'll never forget. It was, you know, it was during the summertime and uh, it was uh, like August and it was humid and there was a storm brewing. You heard distant rolling thunder and it was, I remember it was a pretty creepy day. It was just felt, felt that way. I see it clearly in my mind, overcast and sticky and quiet. My brother and I decided, let's let's go contact Johnny again, man. And we went and we started it off. We did the whole thing, the whole figure eight, reciting the prayer. And we said, is this Johnny? Uh, is Johnny here? And the planchette moved to no. I mean, my brother looked at each other and then we were like, okay, uh, is this Johnny? And it goes to no. I thought, okay, let's ask, are you where Johnny is? Are you in the same place? And it went to no. And then um, we were like, oh boy, we, we started getting a little creeped out. And uh, we asked, um, can we leave? We'd like to leave. We want to take our hands off. And the planchette went to no. And we said, okay, uh, we don't want to play this anymore. And my brother and I looked at each other and we said, come on, let's, you know, we took our hands off. We flipped over the Ouija board. We put it back. We got rid of it. We decided we we're never going to play with it again. That was enough. When you open those portals up right there, you know, any and everything can come through, can peek through different uh, energies or swirling about. So I don't know if we ever uh, were in touch with Johnny. I do believe we were the first couple of times, but the third time uh, maybe he wasn't around then and something else chose to play around with us. This one's a little trippy for me. I have had so many clients that have had negative experiences with Ouija boards, and I have an antique Ouija board hanging on the wall of my office, and I've actually had a client or two ask me to remove it and take it out of the room when they came in for a reading. I played with Ouija boards a lot when I was a kid, and we never really had anything negative or dark happen to us, but I've heard amazing stories about it, and this one is uh, really trippy. How about you, Jude? Are you a Ouija board? Have you done, I haven't done it in years and years. Well, I think this is a great story because I feel like, hasn't everybody done a Ouija board? Isn't this like part of like our nostalgic childhood is to take out the board at your slumber parties and, and do this? and. I remember definitely being way spooked out a number of times. I can't remember specifically anything phenomenally paranormal happening, but I think just the whole act of trying to connect with what's beyond would just, you know, heighten the nerves and we'd all go running out screaming, you know, if we heard a little knock or something. So it's a great story. And uh, I'm sure that there's a lot of people out there who are like, oh yeah, I've definitely had some strange stuff happen with the Ouija board. And I've definitely had, clients to tell me that something just unreal happened when they were younger with the Ouija board. And, you know, having said that, you know, he did come in with a good warning because I think with the Ouija board, it kind of opens up people who do not know how to ground or protect themselves to open up to spirit. And if you're setting that intention, you know, there is a good chance spirit, whatever is around might take advantage of your consciousness opening up to trying to connect. So that's why I find them to be a little bit questionable if you don't know what you're doing, giving them to kids so young. But at the same time, I have a lot of kind of great memories. I think ultimately we're all protected, but I have fun childhood memories, but I'm also like, oh, I could see it as being as an opening to maybe some dangerous activity for sure. 
You know, it is, it is a lot like a ritual or setting an intention to connect with otherworldly beings or other realms. And, you know, if you're going to play with that, you need to be prepared and, you know, call in your protection. And so if you're playing with it as a toy, I totally understand how you could open up to something that you're not prepared for. Just a fun fact is my daughter was watching this TV show like about a year ago. And there was this one funny episode where the kids pulled out a Ouija board and the Ouija board was not called the Ouija board. It was called spirit speakers. <laughs> oh, I remember that. That's yeah. so funny. And I sent it to Patty. I was like, oh, this is hilarious. Okay. So yeah, this next story is also super spooky. Here we go. I moved into this building on 34th Street and Park Avenue in New York City in Manhattan. And as soon as I moved in there, I just knew the building was haunted. Unfortunately, I moved in because I was in a desperate situation where I really needed a, an apartment and it was an affordable sublet that I found last minute and I the clock was ticking, so I took it. Um, and I regretted it <laughs> as soon as I moved in because every day I would come home and as soon as I would start walking up the stairs, I just felt this super creepy negative energy emanating out of the walls as if like the walls were seeping some kind of blackness. And um, the previous tenant who had lived there and moved out left in the bedroom a mirror. Um, it was a full length mirror and it was glued to the wall and uh, they didn't want to take it and I needed a mirror so I was glad that was there. Uh, and I still to this day don't know what triggered this whole thing but one night I was sleeping and then I was woken up around four o'clock in the morning because all of a sudden something came out of the mirror. It was black and it was I just knew it was some kind of like a demon or devil type creature and because my bed also immediately started spinning in circles and I was terrified so I slammed my eyes shut and flattened myself against the bed as much as I could and I could feel this thing hovering right around my face. Um, it had wings and it was flapping its wings furiously and I could feel the air from the wings beating. And I was crying hysterically, like just willing this thing to go back into the mirror because um, I realized, I, you know, I think this mirror is some kind of a portal. And uh, I'm having trouble finishing this story because I can feel what I felt in that moment then. Um, after some amount of time, it did go back in the mirror. And as soon as it did, I immediately started like figuring out how to pry this mirror off of the wall, um, which was glued on there. And I did, and I went downstairs and immediately threw this mirror into the trash. And <laughs> in classic New York fashion, the next morning, I see that the guy who's selling gloves and scarves on, from his street cart, like on the corner, had picked this mirror out of the trash and was now using it for his customers. Um, so every time I pass, you know, this corner and I look at that building, I'm reminded of that time period of my life and what happened. And I am so glad to not be living there. I got out of that lease as soon as I could immediately. Um, and I left that place. This is a really scary story. And Jude, I'm curious what you have to say about this, because I know you have had experiences with mirrors before, correct? Oh, yeah. Mirrors are definitely portals. And the good thing is, is 
most people don't understand that. And they, you know, it's not like a mirror would just be a portal any given day. It takes a tremendous amount of energy fed into the mirror for it to become a portal. And you can activate that, or it could be fed by negative energy, or sometimes there's a glitch in the matrix. You know, I could go on and on about mirrors, but on one level, I don't even really like to talk about it because I don't want to give people ideas. I've definitely seen things come through the mirror. And this is definitely a thing. And that is a super scary story. But I like the little humorous bit at the end, how the guy who was selling things had the mirror. Ah! Yeah, Yeah, it's a bit very uh, unsettling for sure. Yeah, but I guess you wouldn't want to break the mirror to get rid of it. I I was thinking that could open up a whole new thing. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, why didn't she break the mirror? And then I was like, I don't know. I would probably be freaked out about that too. You know, like what if that made it worse, you know? Yeah, it released released it completely or something. I actually had a client one time reach out to me and ask me about a mirror that had some specific negative energy on it. And I can't recall the circumstances around it, but I was like, go put the mirror outside and face it towards nature, face it towards the sun, put salt on it. You know, if you really want to keep this mirror, like do something to neutralize the energy, because I think that mirror had been stagnant in one place, looking at the same thing for a long, 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 long time. Like it was an old, old mirror. And I mean, that's a great point right there. That mirror was glued to the wall in this apartment with who knows how many people and whatever they brought into that space. And she was already saying it was a haunted area it the energy just was probably so stale this mirror had just been looking at that same energy for so long it had built up and this is what i mean about how mirrors can get fed a specific energy and then they become you know a reflection of that energy hello spirit speakers podcast my name is olivia i currently live in japan and i'm from northern california The story I want to share with you today starts when I was anywhere from 9 to 12 years old, I don't remember specifically, and I was laying in bed, it was already dark, I was going to sleep, I had already fallen asleep and was woken up, I don't know why I woke up, but when I did wake up, I looked at the doorway and there was a man standing in the doorway and he was as tall as the doorway or taller. Perhaps he was hunching over, but he at least touched the top of it. He was wearing a top hat and a trench coat. And this was very odd. It's not how I expected to see ghosts. It's not how I expected to see humans because of his height and what he was wearing and the timing. And I didn't know what to think. I just felt scared. I would go under my blankets and then peek up again to look at him, go under my blankets and peek up, and he didn't move. It was his presence as if it was like a security camera watching me, and it took the form of this shadow being. And the specifics of the shadow weren't there, but the outline was very sharp. After that experience, I didn't tell anybody, or maybe I did, but they didn't really understand me or trust me, so I don't remember those interactions, but I just thought it couldn't be a human, maybe it was a ghost, maybe it even didn't happen, and I just brushed it off. And I will note that around that same time, I was experiencing voices. When I would try to go to sleep, there would be voices 
trying to enter my ears, getting me to hear them. And they weren't pleasant voices. I don't remember what they said or even if they had a gender, but they were obnoxious and it took a lot of energy to try to get them to stop um, making noise. And so that was also a scary experience around the same time. So jumping now to the present day, I'm 26 years old, and about two days ago I was commuting on the train back from work. I was listening to a podcast about aliens, and for some reason they started to talk about this shadow being, and they called him the hat man. And they explained that people who experience this being always describe him as wearing a top hat or a fedora hat, and having wearing a trench coat and they also describe him as being about six to eight feet tall so immediately my jaw dropped i got chills i got scared and also excited at the same time because i realized what i experienced actually happened and it wasn't a human like i thought and it was an actual shadow being that was there at the time watching me And now I do associate the voices I was hearing around the same time with this being. Um, After doing some research, I've found that this being tends to come in when there is abuse or trauma in the household, and I do resonate with that. So it's bringing up trauma for me. It's bringing up how scared I felt to go to sleep. I thought that was normal, but maybe it's not. And most of all, I am kind of in discovery mode of what was I really experiencing as an empathic child at the time. Um, My dad was and is today an alcoholic, and I know that his own lifestyle opened up portals to darker energies. And what was I really um, in the face of? What was I experiencing and what have I not yet fully processed? Thank you, Olivia, for this story. This is very interesting. I've heard of this a little bit, but I didn't know it was such a widespread phenomenon. So this is definitely new information to me. And I actually looked it up just to see like what people were saying. You know, when we talk about shadow people or hat men, my opinion prior to having looked up the information that was online about it was that a lot of times earthbound spirits are running at such a low vibration and because our consciousness is not equipped to handle the visual of seeing a dead person or a fully embodied apparition, a lot of the times they will look like they are shadow and they are not necessarily demonic or dark or anything like that. You'll just see them as a shadow being. And I would speculate that in our earlier history, it was very common for men to wear hats. It was part of the everyday fashion. And just like men wear ball caps all the time, maybe in another hundred years, <laughs> the hat man will look like he's wearing a baseball cap. I don't know. But, you know, back in the day, it was top hats and fedoras and things like that. So I always just kind of assumed maybe it was because that particular spirit wore a hat and it was a commonly seen thing. But what they were saying online is that they were speculating that this was some sort of like ET encounter where these tall beings that look like they're wearing some sort of hat were watching people. And I was like, huh, I can't totally discount that because who knows, maybe 
you know, I, my imagination started running wild. And I was like, well, maybe they have some sort of like mask on, maybe they have a weird shaped head and we associate it with being a, a hat, but I have not ever personally had a hat man experience and I'm almost wanting to knock on wood. Cause I feel like as soon as I say that something's going to happen <laughs> and I'm like hat man. Um, <laughs> But I know I've had a few people in my past that have had negative sort of, you know, demonic type energies that present themselves with a hat. And I, I'm definitely privy to that being a thing. Um, but I don't think there's one like boxed in cookie cutter type explanation that I could give to this, but this was a really great story. And I also want to know, you know, she was talking about her parents carrying a lot of negativity. And, you know, when we're kids, we're super innocent and very open. And if our parents are going through their own struggles and carrying their own demons, I think the kids can be very open to it. And especially if there's a siphoning entity attached to one of your parents and they're not getting enough energy, I could totally see them kind of hovering around a child to incite them to drop into their fears so that they could start taking energy from the kids. So I think that was a really intelligent observation of your childhood. And yeah, Patty, what do you think? You told me about Hatman a few years ago. I think you had a client that had mentioned it and this scares the shit out of me. So I kind of consciously chose not to uh, research this, but I fully agree with you and with Olivia about the darker energies. Whenever we are in a low vibrational space, like attaches to like, so we're more vulnerable to having things come in. I don't have any experience with Hatman, but this was super scary. I'm glad you got clarity on it and it helped you reflect on this time in your childhood so you could call in deeper healing for yourself. So thank you. Hello, my name is Brittany and I am bringing you this story from a tiny town called Waterford in Ontario, Canada. And I'm actually recording this under the light of the full moon in October, which felt like the perfect time to be recording a ghost story. So I wanted to share um, a story that I experienced about four years ago, back in 2017. Now, this was still really early in my development before I had started really accepting my abilities and I had very little understanding of how to protect my energy or boundaries. Um, and at this point, I had had some experiences with paranormal activity, but I had really just suppressed a lot of this part of myself. So... I was helping friends of mine move into their new house. Um, the house they're moving into was a beautiful, like, red brick century home. Um, it sadly had been kind of neglected by its previous inhabitants. Um, it is really something you would see on an episode of, like, Fixer Upper or those had, like, good bones, the houses they flip. Um, it was a gorgeous house, but the inside, whew, there was... Like, the cat urine coating the floor was so thick, we actually had to sprinkle baking soda down so that we didn't slip. <laughs> um, so during our initial tour of the house, I didn't really sense anything out of the ordinary. Uh, I do suspect it was because I was a little bit distracted by the state of the house, um, and I was really excitedly listening to my friend's plans to restore it, which is literally my dream. So we're walking around, and 
you know, sanding this floor and painting this trim, and it's all original century home fixings. So it was just beautiful. Um, so because this was an old home, there was actually a full staircase leading up to the attic, which is uh, like a full room with a window. Um, very, very cool. So as I'm following my friend up the attic stairs, and there is a group of us going upstairs on this house tour, um, I could suddenly feel it start to get a, like a little cooler and I could feel like chills going down my spine, which is really unusual for a sunny afternoon in August, especially when you're going up into an attic, which is normally really, really hot. Um, so I'm kind of looking around at my friends and the group we're with and no one else is really picking up on this energy. Um, so I just kind of didn't say anything and sort of brushed it off and um, I actually didn't even make it up to the top of the stairs before I suddenly felt this oppressive force. Um, this energy just sort of shoved me back and I could clearly see an old man in my mind's eye and I could definitely feel he did not want us there. Um, so I quickly scuttled back down the stairs and left everyone else up in the attic and for the rest of the day, um, I was helping everyone move, but I avoided going into the house as much as I could. So I'd carry boxes off the truck and kind of hand them off to someone else going in the house. Um, I didn't breathe a word of this to anyone, um, as I was still firmly in the spiritual closet. And since no one else really seemed to see or feel what I did, I felt like they would just think I was crazy. Now, this is where the story kind of takes an unexpected turn. So that night, um, I experienced a horrible nightmare. So in my dream, I saw an old man walk over to my side of the bed. Um, and my partner is sleeping on the other side, completely undisturbed. And the old man is standing, kind of leering over me. And he says, I told you to leave in a really angry voice. And he plunges his hands into my chest and like levitates me off of the bed. And I can vividly remember just feeling completely powerless. And I'm screaming in like terror for him to stop. And I'm just unable to move. And so this went on for five nights, like clockwork. I would fall asleep only to be visited by this man who would repeat the same routine night after night. Um, it took me a while, but I finally connected the fact that this man was the same man I had seen at the house. And I realized that somehow he'd latched onto my energetic field and was taking advantage of my lack of protections and barriers. Um, and so that night going into my dream that I had this realization uh, and I didn't breathe a word of this to anyone either. I didn't tell my partner, didn't tell anyone what was going on because it would sound crazy. So that night in my dream state, I gathered all of my strength because at this point I've had enough. I, I'm waking up in the morning completely exhausted. I am on edge all day. So this, this has got to stop. This is not a restful sleep I'm going into. So that night I gather all my strength and I can see him kind of coming over, walking over to the, my side of the bed. And I just screamed. I was like, that is it. Enough is enough. 
And sort of instinctually, I just found myself surrounded with this like blinding flash of white light. And the old man kind of yelled and recoiled and he was like holding his arm over his eyes. And that was it. He was just gone. And I never had to deal with him again. So first of all, Brittany, good job on becoming empowered and deciding to fight this. There are so many people that are victimized by entities or lower energy beings that aren't able to get on top of it. So good job by, you know, having the strength and being bold and fighting it. You know, the, the fact that you had these lucid dreams of him plunging his hand into your chest and levitating you is just unreal. I, I have a, a good friend of mine that years and years ago had an episode similar to this where something would show up and she would be paralyzed and it would just watch her and walk over her and she would not be able to move in her bed. And she says that she was not dreaming, that she was wide awake. Once this would happen, she would wake up, but she would find herself paralyzed for quite some time. So this was really interesting to me because it reminded me of what she said. And I love that once you decided to feel strong, this light came in and assisted you and you were able able to slay the demon. Yeah, this was a really great story. And I actually had a similar experience. And it was part of a story that I told in maybe ghost stories one or two cannot remember, but I lived in this house. And it was the first time I had been physically attacked by a spirit. So very similarly, like I got pushed just like her. And for the next couple nights, I had these horrendous dreams of this being just screaming in my face. And I felt paralyzed and frightened. And I remember I was trying to wake myself up because I knew I was sleeping and I knew that the spirit had access to me. So in hindsight, I look at that and I look at this story here and I'm like, well, first of all, sometimes I think in our conscious awoken minds, and given the limitations we have in this reality, it's very hard for us to process these experiences. And once again, this is a, the time that the dream time or in our astral space, it's more of a training ground for us to exercise our abilities or to take in information with more clarity. And I believe that's what I experienced years ago. And this is kind of what you went through. And I love that, like you likely had that attachment on you all those days. It was like spirit was guiding you to understand that this was happening. So you would do what was necessary to be rid of it for good. And I think it's awesome. I've had at least a few experiences like that where I was dealing with some sort of paranormal entity or phenomenon, and it was through my dream space that I understood how to handle it. In fact, a lot of the methods that I use in helping spirits cross over or banishing spirits came through what I learned through the dream space. So great work, Brittany. Hi, Patty. Hi, June. My name is Erin, and this is my ghost story. So this took place about 30 years ago. I was um, eight or nine years old, and I come from a big um, family. Um, I'm first generation. My dad's from Ireland. All of his family, obviously, is also from Ireland. And we would go on these massive camping trips, my family and my dad and um, you know, maybe like four or five of his brothers and all of their families. And we would go up to this plot of land that one of my uncles owned in way up north in Northern California in Nevada County. Um, kind of the closest thing is like Malakoff Dickens. It's like the old gold rush country um, up in the mountains where all the gold rush miners would have gone searching for their fortunes. Um, and it's literally in the middle of nowhere 
it's you have to drive miles off of a road to even get to this plot of land. But we would camp there and have um, good memories. At this time, my father had already passed away and we were all getting ready to go on a hike. I was about eight or nine years old. And I went in the front of the hike with my Uncle Tom and another family member. And there's probably 15 of us. I remember my mom and a couple of aunts stayed behind to start like getting dinner ready. And we were hiking. It was around dusk. And I remember looking up into the hillside and saying to my uncle, like, look, what is that? And it was this bright light um, in the trees. And it would jump, you know, very like unnaturally from tree to tree and just move um, and just kind of float there and then move to another tree. And my uncle saw it and, um, was, you know, we were transfixed for a, a split second. And then he quickly was like, uh, quick, let's go back. Let's go back. Um, and head back to camp because he was, you know, scared. And so we all went back to camp and I remember running up to my mom being like, mom, you won't believe what we saw. I saw this light. And my uncle was like, no, 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 we didn't see anything. Um, no, 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 it's okay. We didn't, we didn't see anything. And, and I remember crying, being confused, saying, you know, what do you mean? <laughs> there was a light in the trees and, um, nobody else saw anything except all my, my, uh, sisters and cousins who were in the hike with us. Just remember uncle Tom being just deathly afraid, being like, we're going back to camp. And so everybody just did it and, you know, bucked back to camp. Um, fast forward like 10 years ago, my uncle passes away and um, I'm back home with my mom and my aunts visiting his widow and says, Aaron, do you remember that time that we were camping and you said you saw something? And Uncle Tom said, you didn't. And at that point, I kind of remembered because I, you know, pretty much been programmed that nothing happened, that I didn't see anything, even though I've seen other things. This was one that I knew for sure, at least I thought that other people saw it. And my mom remembered the whole situation very clearly because she's always known that I see things. Um she said that your uncle did see it and that he came into the tent and was, you know, white as a ghost, terrified, insisting that he saw it, your dad, like his brother who had passed away like a year prior saying that he saw Martin and, um, that he was, he, he turned everyone around and didn't want to scare you. And so always told you that he didn't see anything. And I was just kind of in shock, you know, like I knew it, you know, and, and, it was just one of those things I can see where he he was coming from um, and trying not to scare anybody. But at the same time, it was um, it would have been wonderful to have shared that experience with him when he was still around. So that's my ghost story. I believe in all of it. And I love all of your shows and I love hearing everything that you share. So thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you, Erin, for such an awesome story. I thought this was really cool. I loved it, actually. And I loved how it came full circle. And it took, you know, it sounds like decades for this to make more sense. And I think that's always special, actually, when things that happen when we're younger or years and years before that we might not put any emphasis or meaning on can be so life altering and changing way down the line. I think it's really beautiful that your dad made his presence during a family gathering. And I can totally understand why your uncle took the position of not wanting to share. It was probably very shocking for him to see it, but I'm really glad that you eventually got to find out the truth of his experience. Yeah, this was such a beautiful and touching story. 
Hello, my name is Christina. I'm from North Carolina, and I'm going to tell you about an experience that I had around eight years ago when I moved into my first apartment. So I'm going to bed the first night at my new apartment, and I sense a presence in the corner of my room where the foot of my bed is. There was a slight visual aspect to this energy presence, but very faint. And I feel it travel or like come towards the front of the room where the head of my bed is. And all the while I'm calling myself crazy because, I don't know, whenever I would experience similar phenomenon, I I would just call myself crazy and brush it off. So I roll over and move on, try to go to sleep, but then I feel it sit down on my bed. And I sharply look over and examine the spot where I felt it sit, but I didn't see anything, so I just proceed to go to sleep. But then I feel it lay down next to me, and at that point, I thought, okay, what is going on here? (laughs) So I then feel it roll over towards me, and I get these shaky shivers as it basically feels like it enters into me I'm looking at this little charger light on my wall while this is happening and it becomes the only thing in the room that I can see it was like tunnel vision and it felt like I was kind of going towards it kind of like the light that you see when you die Uh, how people report how you see the light and go towards it So that was happening, and I start feeling and hearing this person's thoughts and feelings from all the significant times in their life, positive and negative. And I hear them fighting with their spouse in the background, and I hear this woman's conscience say, like, oh, man, I'm such a failure in my marriage and to my kids, And all the while, I was kind of making movements that were not my own in correspondence to this this person's negative thoughts of themselves. It was kind of like anything, any thought that was guilt-ridden or just mostly negative thoughts. It felt like I was swatting away at their demons or something. So I was scared out of my mind because I really had no idea what was happening to me at this point. So I'm like praying to God, like, please make it stop, you know? And (laughs) finally, um, after a while, the presence did leave me in layers, like an onion. So I remember sitting there in my bed thinking, what's happened to me? (laughs) so crazy but um I didn't really have much of an interpretation at the time but now after a long series of like different events and listening to different people talk about their experiences I've kind of put more of an interpretation into it one of your podcasts actually really helped me feel validated and put more clarity to that situation. It was a y'all's channeling podcast. 
that was a great one. I loved that podcast. So thank y'all for all of your wisdoms that you share to the world. And I, I pray blessings upon all of you and everyone who's listening. Bye-bye. Thank you, Christina, for the story. This was 100% a channeling experience that you had. And thank you for um, your sweet comments about the channeling podcast. And we're so happy that you were able to get some answers through that. Experiencing this and something laying down next to you in bed is a lot. And it sounds like you really, even though you were frightened, you kind of kept your wits about you and handled it really well. And this is a great story. Yeah, I was right with you as you were describing everything. That is definitely channeling. And it is the most uncomfortable and strange experience because you have some recognition of your own consciousness somewhere being there. But at the same time, having a sense that there's something else sort of controlling your narrative in your mind and even your body and the emotions, it's the craziest experience. I personally do not care to have things like that happen to me, but uh, I think this will be very enlightening for other people who may have experienced the same thing. Thank you for that, Christina. Hello, Patty. Hello, Jude. I'm a huge fan. My name is Branson Meadows, and my story takes place when I was 17 years old, I think. I'm 28 now, so I haven't told anybody this story except for my partner. So I was at a nail salon with my cousin. She begged me to go with her and I was just gonna sit there and wait on her to get done. And so I took a seat off to the corner where nobody could really see me, just waiting. And I didn't initially see the lady that I ended up sitting beside of. But as I sat down, I just picked up really weird vibes from her. You know, she had a Willy Wonka style haircut bob. It was very dark, very black. <clears throat> she had these dark frame glasses on and uh, she just had a really weird vibe. She had bright red lipstick, bright red fingernails, and bright red toenail polish. Um, and I kept looking at her and I didn't wanna be rude, but she had these really long arms, very dark hair on her arms, dark hair on her toes. She was just out of place. And so as I continued to sit there and mind my own business, um, she kept clicking this pin rapidly. You know, it was like click, 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 like over and over and over. And it was no stopping. Like she just kept clicking. And I thought to myself, Jesus Christ, I wish this lady would stop. <laughs> you know, and as soon as I thought that, <clears throat> she stopped. She stopped clicking her pin. And I was like, oh, that was kind of weird. And I've always been someone who believes in the paranormal and extraterrestrial. I've always been somebody who believes. I always picked up on vibes. And so as soon as I thought that, as soon as I thought it and she stopped clicking, I was like, wow, that was weird. Maybe she can read my mind. And as soon as I thought that thought, she clicked twice. And so I was like, oh, geez, like I started getting a little bit panicky. And so I ended up asking her a few more questions. I can't really remember those questions, but it was almost like, you know, like, can you really read my mind? And she would click twice. And then like, if it was a no, she would click once. It was super weird. And I kept getting cold chills and I was like, okay, I'm freaking myself out too much. So luckily my cousin finished up and she came around the corner to get me. And I, you know, I hurried up and went with her. And I kept thinking about that lady, kept thinking about her, and I never did turn back to, around to see if she was there or not because I was just too freaked out. But I'll never forget the story and I'll never forget that moment. <clears throat> and I've never told anybody, like I said, I never told anybody since uh, since now, recently, my partner, you know, I told him because we're so involved with your show. And so I was like, you know, maybe they would know 
what I was sitting beside of or who I was sitting beside or maybe she was just a mind reader, maybe she was a spirit, I'm not sure. So I hope this story makes it and I hope you guys can give me some light on what went on. Thank you guys, love y'all. Okay, so I loved this story. Branson, first of all, so entertaining. You're a great storyteller. Thank you so much. I was actually cracking up the whole time I was listening to this, but it's still eerie too. And uh, I got to tell you, the whole time I was listening to it, I was like, that woman was an ET, 100%. You know, I love that, Jude, because I actually read Branson the day after I listened to his story. I listened to it at night and I had a reading with him the next day. And I, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this since he did give his name, but I'm like, we need to look at this woman. We need to look at this woman in your story. And I got 100% that she was an alien, 100%. In fact, I saw her as looking almost kind of a robotic octopus-like and he was shaking his head, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he is super telepathic himself. And I feel like, you know, these two kind of, a star seed and an alien sat next to each other and they had this lovely telepathic validation uh, communication. It's just great. And Branson, the way you were describing the way she looked, and I agree with Jude, you're such a good storyteller. I could totally see her, you know, exactly. I know. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. My husband actually walked in right when I was listening to his story and my husband was completely captivated and he was also laughing at me. He's like, what the heck? And uh, I could totally picture her in my mind too. And I think that she was an ET. I don't think she was a spirit. And, you know, maybe she knew she was an ET. Maybe she didn't. Does it really matter? Sometimes I have clients that are so obviously an ET that they just look like they don't even fit in the human skin. And this woman feels like one of those types of people uh, trying to get by, but not doing a very good job <laughs> blending in. <laughs> Okay, on to the next story. Hello, everybody. My name is Rebecca Kanelski, and I'm out of Humboldt County, California. And here is my ghost story. When I was living in Lake Tahoe around the year 2005, give or take a few years, every year around March, my best friend and I would drive on the 395 and we'd head south to Mammoth Hot Springs. And on the way down, we would stop at different hot springs along the way. Sometimes we would camp a mammoth and sometimes we'd stay at a hotel in the neighboring towns. It was my birthday weekend and we had just gotten into the town of Bridgeport right around sunset. We went to a restaurant that was very funky. Uh, you, you walked in and all the pictures on the wall were Republican presidential pictures. Uh, it, it just, you know, the, the booze were all red. It was definitely red, white, and blue, very patriotic theme in there. Uh, we had dinner, and at the end, now it's dark, we had asked where in town was a place to stay. And the waiter asked us, like they would in the 80s, smoking or non-smoking, he asked us, haunted or not haunted <laughs> and my best friend and I looked at each other and we both said at the same time not haunted <laughs> and he said okay um well just so you know next door the Victorian is extremely haunted and uh started mentioning all the haunted places in the area and then I guess went on to direct us to a non-haunted location. <laughs> it was a very odd 
strange conversation and I remember us being left giggling and laughing and thinking how strange that was so then we pay our bill we go to leave again now it's dark and unbeknownst to us my car was parked facing the the side of the Victorian hotel the hotel that he had just told us was haunted so we walked to my car I had a brand new car at the time so when you clicked the key fob the lights would light up and it would make a little beeping sound when the car would unlock and right as I did that I hear an older man screaming from up above us or yelling I should say and he said it hey I'm trying to get some sleep like like just like that like crouchy old man and we look and right as I hear this I immediately respond oh I'm sorry and I look up and I see this older man, he has no shirt on, all I could see is from his waist up. And he, I could tell, I know I'm looking at a ghost, like he's fully materialized, but behind him is this blue light and, and the white curtains in the windows are billowing like there's a strong wind, but there was no wind. And then in the window next to him was a young kid, skinny, about 19 again no shirt on waist up and he's laughing at us and the way he laughed was like from something you would see in a disney movie where he was like guffawing at us going ho 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 like that and we i knew at that point oh my god we're seeing ghosts and they're they're messing with us you know they're playing with us so but it was scary right we couldn't get in the car fast enough and it was like disney meets scooby-doo and so we get in the car <laughs> and we both stay at the same time ghost that was ghost oh my god and you know i peel out and i had to go down on the back side of the hotel to turn around because i was angled in and so when I came back, we both, I slowed to look again in the window just to make sure, like, did we see what we see? And we both look up at the window and there was absolutely nothing. There was no light. There were no men there. There were no curtains, no nothing. And that was even more scarier. So needless to say, we stayed at a hotel. I don't think we got much sleep that night. <laughs> And, uh, but it was pretty amazing because it, we both saw it. And when we both described it to each other, we both described exactly what we had each seen. So it, we knew we weren't hallucinating. We knew one person wasn't making something up. Like we were validating our experience, uh, or both of our experiences with each other. And to this day, we always, we always talk about that story and, how crazy and scary that was, but at the same time, kind of funny. So that is my ghost story. Thank you, Rebecca, for the story. Well, I know Rebecca, and Rebecca is an amazingly psychic woman who has tons of experiences with ghosts 
and ETs as well. So when I heard her voice, I knew it was her. This didn't surprise me at all, but this is amazing. And I can, you know, see you and your friend kind of running ah and running off and seeing these ghosts. So there are ghosts that are able to really make themselves seen. And there are people that have the gift of really being able to see ghosts. And I feel like those two kind of came hand in hand in this story, but this was a great story. I feel like ghosts really have a sense of humor sometimes. And what I also really loved is your description of that glow and the wind and all of that. That's what they look like when they become fully embodied. Your description, I was like, yeah, that's what they look like to me. So once again, a story that validates my own experience. So thank you for that. And I'm sure there are some people who are probably like, we're going to go on a trip to this area and go stay in haunted hotels. So thanks for letting us know for all you future ghost hunters out there. Yeah, I'm one of those people. I want to go there now too. Our Pesky Poltergeist by Teresa McClelland. A few years ago, my feisty elderly mother began experiencing several unnatural happenings in her home. She had a health crisis shortly before, but had mostly recovered. The first unusual situation transpired while mom was tidying her guest bathroom. Suddenly she found herself sitting on the floor. She hadn't moved and felt nothing inwardly or outwardly. It did not make sense how she had fallen. She was shaken and confused. Not long after, while getting ready for bed, she placed her favorite ring on a glass tray on her bathroom's vanity as usual. The next morning it was missing. She searched for it everywhere to no avail. Two weeks later the ring reappeared in its usual place. I did not want to scare her, but a poltergeister ghost came to mind. One morning Mom awoke to freshly brewed coffee in her little coffee maker. She was perplexed how it brewed without her turning it on. I asked if she had inadvertently set the timer or forgot that she had pushed the on button. Was a coffee maker shorting out or getting old? She answered no to each of my questions. Mom became more alarmed by these odd intrusions into her personal space. She lived alone and felt uneasy, like she was being watched. She decided to list her house for sale. I had listened to a spirit speaker's podcast where Patty and Judea discussed earthbound spirits attaching to people. I explained the risk, convincing her not to move. Instead, her granddaughter's Lutheran pastor husband came over to bless her home. Soon after I arrived for a visit, Mom showed me what had appeared on the floor next to her bathtub the day before. There was a perfect six-inch diameter circle of what looked and felt like recently fallen plum leaves that had not dried out. Someone or something had placed the leaves in a neat pile, cut into perfect little squares while she was away for the afternoon. There was no earthly explanation, which was very unsettling. During my visit, we used her large coffee maker. One morning, I got up and went into the kitchen. The coffee was brewed and piping hot. I went into Mom's bedroom to say good morning. She was sitting on the side of her bed looking very serious. She asked me, did you get up to make the coffee and go back to bed? I replied, I thought she had made it. How could each coffee maker turn themselves on? It was not from a malfunction, short circuit, or any other earthly cause. I felt hypervigilant and started to feel a gloomy presence watching me. I felt a male spirit who had pass, passed a while back. After I returned home to Humboldt County, Mom had a new ghostly experience. One night during the witching hours, loud and eerie electronic music awakened her. She went into her living room to find her Alexa was playing it. She unplugged it. The next morning, her Alexa app listed the song as Underworld Soundtrack. The writer was famous for his computer game music. At this point, she became very disconcerted and unplugged Alexa every night. She consulted a psychic medium by phone who informed her she saw a male relative standing her in her kitchen. He had a mustache, wore a hat, and had died by suicide. He didn't want her to die. She did not make the connection to her sister's oldest son, who had died by suicide decades ago. 
I advise her that her ghost must be her nephew David. She then recalled the times her dogs had stood in the entry hall, barking at nothing in the kitchen. They must have seen her ghostly intruder. My cousin David had a difficult life, abandoned as, infant, as an infant by his teenage father. Later, his stepfather emotionally abused him. Now I think he was stuck in the underworld and could not pass over. The time I visited Mom, I brought lavender oil, white sage, and an abalone shell to attempt a purification of her home. With no previous experience, I recited a mantra and blew the sage smoke out of each window. After I left Mom's, there was yet another odd occurrence. She always kept a small prayer card in the pocket of her tablet case, which she kept on her bedside table. One night the card went missing. Mom looked everywhere for it. Angrily, she implored David to return her prayer card. A week or so later, she discovered it while changing her sheets. She had to unpin the many puppy piddle pads from the top blanket. That's where she found her prayer card. Again, there was no logical explanation except for the poltergeist was messing with her. Finally, Mom contacted a local priest to rid her of her home of all earthbound spirits. It's not uncommon for Catholic priests to perform exorcism. He prayed while sprinkling holy water throughout her entire house, including the garage and closets. Thankfully, there were no more ghostly hauntings. However, once the priest exorcised David's spirit from her home, strange things began to happen at my house, six hours to the north. One morning, I put my wet load of laundry into the dryer in our garage. After my shower, I heard water running hard and asked my husband if he had started the washer. No, he had not gotten up from the computer. I followed the sound to the garage where I discovered the cold water faucet was on full blast in our utility sink. I had not turned it on and never ran it that hard. I got the chills while turning it off. I believe David had followed me home as he always had a crush on me. That night I had a sincere talk with David's spirit, asking him to stop bothering me and Mom. His antics were scaring us. It was time for him to leave this earthly plane and rest in peace on the other side, where there was no judgment of him. He would be reunited with those who loved him, his mother and our grandparents. Soon a second haunting event occurred at my house, again during my morning shower. I had placed my deodorant and lotions on the toilet tank. My husband and I always kept the lid closed. When I finished showering, the lid was up. I hadn't left it open as my stuff could have fallen into the toilet. My husband had not come into the bathroom during my shower. This second incident had me feeling very exposed and vulnerable. I decided to enlist our grandparents on the other side to take David's spirit home with them. I told them he had been frightening Mom and was now bothering me. After that, all ghostly events stopped. Soon thereafter, I had my first psychic medium reading with Patty, during which she asked me about D names. I mentioned my children, but it was not them. D was my cousin David. She advised me that he was no longer hanging around me as my energy was stronger than his. However, he had not crossed over. Since my priests, excuse me, the priests and grandparents' interventions, Mom's home and, and mine have remained peaceful with no more pesky poltergeist activities. Please rest in peace, David. Thank you, Teresa, for sharing this amazing story that had lots of validating clues all along the way. I love stories like that, where it's just not this random active phenomenon. There's things that are happening around you that validate this experience. And, you know, I, I feel for your cousin and their soul who was a truly troubled person in life. And I think that when beings like that get stuck, they tend to gravitate towards what's familiar and what feels safe. Because I think that ultimately our desire in crossing over is to go to a better place. And, you know, as much as this experience was really spooky and unsettling to deal with, 
it gave you a great opportunity to stand in your power and exercise your tools and take the knowledge that you've learned. As you told your mom, I heard the spirit speakers podcast about entity attachments. You know, it makes me happy to know that this information we're putting out there is helping you all navigate these experiences. So great story. Yeah, this was a wonderful story. And I do remember when I read you, I kept saying, oh, it's a D name. It's a D name. And I couldn't quite get it. And we figured out that it was David. And even though he wasn't there to do harm, we have the right to decide when we're uncomfortable with something. And I feel like that's what's happened with him is that you made it really clear that you and your mother were uncomfortable with these things happening. And this is why he left you alone and gave you some space. And I know when I read you that I saw that he was no longer around you, but had not fully moved on yet. You know, I just want to remind everybody that we have the right to decide if we want a ghost in our home and if we don't want a ghost in our home. And sometimes the ghosts of loved ones can be really touching and comforting. And sometimes regardless of how much you care about them, it can be too much. So it sounds like you handled this really well. I love that you went out with your sage and your lavender and set those strong intentions and it sounds like it worked. So good job. And that was an excellent story. Thank you so much. Hey, I'm Vicky and I'm from the UK and I've got a story about a ghost in a monastery in Italy. My auntie lives over there and she runs retreats in this big villa. Um, there's a corridor that's that I've heard stories of people staying on it and then there's been knocks in the night and people have gone to open the door and there's been nobody there. So my auntie put me on this wing, which I was a little bit nervous about because I've always been really sensitive to spirit. And I decided to get drunk because I thought, well, nothing will wake me up. So I got drunk, went to bed at 1am I woke up to a voice, a lady's voice, saying it's two o'clock, they're coming out. So I decided to ring my mum because she was staying about a minute walk away in my auntie's house. So I rang my mum and said, Mum, I've just heard this lady's voice and it says it's two two o'clock, they're coming out. And my mum was like, oh, okay, it's actually two o'clock. And uh, the phone line went dead and I couldn't get back through to my mum. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And then about 30 seconds later, I heard footsteps coming down the corridor and I thought it was my mum. So I opened the door and there was this grey mist there and basically it just flew off. But the energy that I felt from it, like I felt like it pushed me back. So I slammed the door and I don't remember getting from that room, running down the hallway, down a marble staircase, out into the quad, banging on my auntie's door, but I did. And I was absolutely petrified. But I know, I'm sure of it, that there must be a spirit that's imprinted on that corridor. And, you know, whether it's a nun or a monk or whatever, they must have got up at 2am or, like, knocked on the other people's doors to wake them up to do prayers. And that spirit must have imprinted on that corridor. And I think that my spirit guide woke me up to warn me. And obviously I scared the ghost. (laughs) I just love it that we have listeners from all over the world. And this story was awesome. And the way your spirit guide woke you up just in time to have this experience. And what a gift. What a cool story. And now we all get to listen to it because of it. So thank you. Hello, my name is Celia Rojas from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And here's my story. I was probably in my late teens when I had this memorable paranormal experience. 
I was in my parents' home, and it was the middle of the day. I had been up late, so I decided that a quick power nap in my parents' bed would be best as I didn't want to get too comfortable. Before I delve in a little deeper into this story, I do want to tell you that I've always been able to sense spirits. I can sense where they are, their approximate age, their sex, their height, their emotions, their intent. At this age, I start to realize that I can get their attention rather easily, call them close, as well as move them from one place to another. I also began to be more curious and brave, but still not very smart at that time. I completely underestimated this lower vibrational world. So back to my little catnap. I lay down, got comfortable, but I wasn't quite sleepy yet. The bed was situated up against a wall, and this wall is an external wall on the side of the house. So with my head close to the wall, I decided to close my eyes, and instead of sleep, I put out some feelers out towards the outside of the house to see if I can sense any spirits roaming around in the neighborhood. Almost immediately, I attracted the attention of a certain spirit. So keep in mind that I am still completely awake and I am fully aware of this little game I'm playing. This outside spirit comes closer. He is now immediately behind my head, but still outside. I was young, foolish, and curious, and instead of closing off this connection, I remain open. All of a sudden, I felt a strong electrical tingly sensation run through me. It started at the top of my head and it spread down my whole body, all the way down to my toes. This sensation was actually kind of interesting and not scary, but what I felt next was this entity that felt very male was now on top of me, but now I couldn't open my eyes or move. I started to mentally try to fight him off, pushing at his shoulders, his arms, his face. He was just laughing at me. I kept trying to push him away, and when I pushed at his torso, my hand pushed through into an opening in his abdomen. I was scared and disgusted. This hole in his abdomen was surrounded by sharp teeth, many, many sharp teeth. And in that moment, I realized that I was not dealing with a human spirit, but with some sort of demonic entity. I started to panic in my head. I didn't only feel like he was on top of me, but he was also within me, like we were both sharing this space, my body, and I felt like he had no intentions of leaving. I somehow knew that time was of the essence and he needed to get out immediately. Without my conscious mind actually registering my next move, I quickly ripped out of my body, still holding on to this evil spirit, and we both tumbled off the bed onto the floor in a wrestling match to the death. I was now free from my physical body, but I can still feel every sensation of holding on to him and falling aggressively onto the floor, still physically fighting. I literally felt like I was fighting for my life. I knew that only one of us would win. All of a sudden, I felt a rush of courage, strength, and even anger of a male energy emerge from within my own self. This strong part of me, which was definitely not me, took over and together with one strong 
energetic thrust, we overcame this beast. This evil entity was energetically slayed, is the best way I can put it. It pretty much disintegrated, evaporated. It was gone. It was gone forever. I was then immediately transported back into my physical body. I quickly opened my eyes and I bolted right up in bed. My heart was racing. I was gasping for air. That ordeal was exhausting. I gave myself a moment to catch my breath. I went to the washroom, threw some water in my face, and I went down to where my family was. There was no way I was going to sleep now. And there's no way that I would open myself up to anything like this again. I have learned my lesson well. Thank you for letting me share my little demon story. Apparently, there are worse things out there than human ghosts. So please be careful. Don't be foolish like I was. Celia, holy cow. This story is intense. I have felt spirits come through, just like you said, with this tingly sensation head to foot. I totally align with that. And I can feel when things are coming in. And this is one of those examples, again, kind of like with the Ouija board. If we're going to open up to things or put feelers out for spirits, we need to be prepared. And it sounds like even though you felt that you were kind of naively opening up to it, you are strong woman. If you are in a wrestling match with a demon and then have your angels or your guides come in and help you, pretty amazing. So I have never even come close to wrestling with a demon, but Jude, I'm kind of guessing you have. Oh yeah. This story was right up my alley. I was like, oh yeah, I've been there. I've naively opened up my energy to spirits that I shouldn't have just out of curiosity or just without knowing. And luckily I had some good protectors with me that helped me push through it. And a lot of the times with people who are on the path of dealing with earthbound spirits or our mediums don't generally come with a mentor or a teacher and they have to learn the hard way. And that's just part of the process. And that's kind of what I have to tell a lot of people, but it makes me happy once again, that we have a podcast that Patty and I are sharing this information. So maybe people can avoid situations like this. Yes. Very good advice. Do not open up your energy to something that you are not sure of, and uh, you won't get tricked by a dark entity. 11 years ago, we brought my newborn son home from the hospital. Like any new parent, I was overwhelmed and exhausted and unsure of how this new caretaking role of a beautiful tiny soul was going to go. I suppose my confidence was in the fake it till you make it zone and I didn't really have the spoons to fake it very well. That first night was early April and it had been a beautiful few days before his birth so all the windows were open in the house. The day we brought the little guy home though, it snowed lightly. My husband had fallen into bed exhausted and I was taking the first nighttime feeding shift alone. I held my sweet boy in my arms and plopped deeply into the well-upholstered rocking chair, then leaned back to bring the footrest up to the, for the full experience. Feeding complete, I snuggled my little one, but he wouldn't settle. I realized his little hands were chilly, and then I discovered I was a little chilly, and I knew I had to get up and close the window. Well, my body was not back to normal after being in labor for more than 12 hours, and my abdominal muscles would not engage. I couldn't get the footrest down with my legs because I needed to use my core. I soon figured out I was stuck in this chair with my chilly babe and snoring husband a whole room away. The sob started next as the realization of what a change in circumstances I had embarked on. Maybe it was the crying or maybe it was uber mom strength, but I finally was able to get out of that chair and lay my son in his bassinet. I slowly trekked through our house to close the windows and at last I could lay down in bed. That night, and for the next three nights, I awakened on the two-hour feeding schedule necessary to keep a tiny baby well. It did not, however, keep the mother very well. I started to feel that there was someone else in the house. 
It was a man, and he was wearing a Victorian or turn-of-the-century clothing with a tall top hat. I didn't really see him with my eyes, but I could sense him. As the nights wore on, I had the feeling that I couldn't go to sleep until the man in the house left or at least fell asleep somewhere himself. I could feel him moving between our bedroom and my son's room, even though my son was in our bedroom still. The feeling I had was that he was making sure my son was in good and safe hands. He was definitely not there for my welfare or for my husband's. By the fourth night, the feeling grew to almost feeling like the man would take my son back if he wasn't in a good house. In my hormone-addled brain, this all seemed perfectly reasonable, that a ghostly man had taken up residence and was checking on my maternal skills to decide if he could leave this child with me. After a few weeks, when the hormones and the crying slowed down, I started to think this was a very odd experience indeed. My belief system accepts past lives, and I wondered if this was my son leaving a former life and delivering his infant self into this new one, or if it was one of my son's guides delivering him to us. I investigated the third man phenomenon where in times of great stress or danger, a person comes to lead the person in danger to safety. That didn't really resonate for me because the man was there for my son, not for me. He seemed to be ignoring me or maybe the dimension he was in didn't jive with my dimension, but I could sense him because of my status as new mother. I've delicately asked other moms if they had any such visitations, but so far I haven't heard of anyone like this. I was never scared, but just aware that someone else was in our house for those first few nights. Thanks for a really interesting story. And I really resonate with this because I think what people don't always consider is sort of what a traumatic experience labor is to our physical, mental, and emotional bodies. And in my experience with my last labor with my daughter, who's now nine years old, the veils between life and death became so thin that in my labor bed saw my dog walking around my bed. I saw my loved ones and my ancestors around the room. And it's very commonly said amongst people in hospitals or people who are dealing with hospice that right in the last few days before somebody's getting ready to pass that they'll generally see their pets or their loved ones in the room. And that's how they know when someone's going to die. So for me, I felt like I was hovering between life and death and these portals get very open. And that space between the spirit realm and us is very transparent. And I feel like this is what happened to you. Your energy got opened up and it made you more sensitive to spirit. And in the same way, your experience sort of tapered off over a few weeks, the same thing happened to me. I had an entity around me for the first few weeks after I had my daughter. For you, I think it could have been potentially all the things that you thought. Maybe it was your child from a previous life handing himself over. Maybe it was a guide. Maybe it was just a ghost in the house who was just checking on things. Either way, I think that this is a really valid experience considering the intensity that you just went through with birthing your child. So thank you for sharing that story. Thank you for the story. I agree with everything you said, Jude. And also when we bring a child home. I feel like as mothers, you know, we step into that mother bear role where we really put a lot of protection around our home and our child, and we come really ultra aware of energies around us or things that are coming in because we're in this mama bear mode and protecting our children. So whatever you picked up, I think the fact that you were protecting your child and you had this awareness of what was going on around you energetically, as well as physically, that you probably were much more apt to pick up on this energy and to see it as well. 
Hi, Jude and Patty. My name is Megan, and I'm from New Jersey. But before I dive in, I just want to say thank you for creating an inspiring and informative podcast. It truly has been such a transformative and uplifting part of my days, so thank you. So the story I'm about to share is my first experience with the spirit. I was in seventh grade, and my friend and I were watching a ghost show on my bed in my room. In that ghost show, one of the men investigating got choked by a spirit and pushed against the wall. We were so shocked that that could happen to someone, so we ended up turning off the TV and doing something else. Later that night, I ended up forgetting about the show and went to bed like any other night. For some context, I'm a very light sleeper and barely move in my sleep. So if I were to move, it would be from one side to the other, but not often. My floor is very creaky in my bedroom, and I remember hearing creaking from where my door was, walking all the way to where the side of my bed was. That's when I realized that I was on my back, my covers were down to my toes, and I was completely sprawled out. I didn't open my eyes because I was scared if something was actually in the room. It would choke me, just like in the show I watched earlier that day. I heard the floor creak again right next to my bed, and that's when I felt two ice-cold fingers, the pointer in the middle, touched the left side of my neck. I was so startled and in shock that I didn't dare to move. It held those fingers on my neck for probably five seconds, but to me felt like forever, then released and I heard it walk away out of my bedroom. I didn't dare scream because again, I thought it would come back and choke me like in the show. I tried to calm myself down and I counted to 10 and I told myself once I reached 10, I'm going to quickly grab the, co the covers at my feet, hide underneath them, and push myself up against the wall. And that's exactly what I did. Five seconds later, I heard the creaking back in my room as if the spirit heard what I did and came back. In the corner of my room, I had this circle chair that if you sit in it, it crinkled. And that's exactly what I heard. I tried to calm myself down and talk myself out of it but then I heard it leave my room again. So I felt like I was safe to call out to my mom and dad, but right when I was about to, it came back into the room. This time it stopped at the side of my bed and then laid down next to me. I tried to peek through the covers to see if I could see anything, but all I could see was the indentation in the pillow and in the bed. I was so shocked it was laying next to me and I could feel it laying next to me that I had no idea what to do. I really knew now that I couldn't scream out or anything, so I laid there and hoped that my dad would wake up as soon as possible. Thankfully, it wasn't long until my dad woke up, and once I heard him open his bedroom door and walk to the bathroom, which was right across the hall from me, I was ready to scream but near needed the spirit off my bed. The spirit must have felt my anticipation because right when my dad closed the bathroom door, the spirit rubbed from my ribs to my hip three times back and forth, patted it three times, and then got up and walked out. Once I felt it was gone, I screamed bloody murder and my dad came running in. When I was younger, I felt it was maybe my grandfather making sure I was okay. But as I got older, the feeling wasn't there of it being a grandfather figure. It was more so something else I might have brought into the house through the Ouija board. 
and reflecting on it later on, I felt it was a spirit checking my pulse to see if I was okay, not sure why, and staying with me to make sure I was okay. I never felt threatened by it, but it still gives me goosebumps thinking about that day and how the spirit had the power to physically touch me. This was the starting point in my endless amount of spirit stories and looking back, the start of when my abilities truly came to life. So Megan, I love this story. You watched a ghost show and then had a ghostly encounter afterwards. And I got to tell you, I used to love watching those paranormal ghost shows years ago, especially when I needed a lot of validation for being somebody who saw earthbound spirits. And the reason I watched the shows was because it made me feel less crazy. I would see things through their experiences on the shows and it helped me feel more settled in myself. But what I can tell you now is that I absolutely cannot watch them at all anymore. My abilities, my psychic channels are so open If it is just a classic earthbound spirit story, that is one thing. But when it comes to demonics or some very intelligent dark energies, I have this thing where I can feel them interacting with me through the TV. So I absolutely can't watch them. And there's something to be said when you're watching shows like that, where you are pulling yourself into the frequency of that experience. So I am not surprised whether or not it was something that came through that actual show, or it was just an entity in your house that you had not been aware of prior by watching shows like that, you're pulling yourself into that frequency. And as I've explained before in previous episodes, in order to have a clear communication with earthbound entities or your angels and spirit guides, we have to bring our frequency to match them in order to be able to perceive them with more clarity. So I believe that the reason you experience this is because you had already pulled your consciousness into that frequency prior and uh, really creepy. Once again, the, the ghost in the bed situation, I think that's like a common thing, probably because we're more still and more quiet and more vulnerable. I'm not sure. But uh, this story gave me the heebie-jeebies thinking about being touched when I'm trying to go to sleep. Yeah, this is really frightening. I had a friend over and I was telling her that we were doing this ghost stories. And she said that when she was younger, I think she said around nine, I'm not totally sure that she would be in bed and it felt like somebody would reach up under the covers, grab her feet and then pull her to the end of the bed. So she said after a while, it happened so often, it wasn't frightening, but it was annoying because she was always having to like readjust and crawl back up to her pillow because something would grab her feet and pull her down. And then she said years and years later, when she was an adult, she was talking to about this and mentioned it to her siblings and her siblings had the exact same experience. There was something in the house that was doing that to everyone in the house. And they just thought they were crazy and didn't want to be embarrassed themselves. So never talked about it. Yeah. The, the whole, bed ghost thing is a little unsettling. And I totally agree with you, everything you said, Jude, about TV shows. And I am extremely careful and particular about what I watch on TV and what type of movies that I watch, because I don't want to watch anything that's going to open me up to negativity or bring my vibration down. Hi there. My name is Sherry Fitzner, and I am recording from my little corner of the world in Western New York. I have lived here my whole life. I was actually born and raised in, um, in areas around Buffalo, and that is where my story take place. I lived in a house when I was younger in Kaisertown, Buffalo, and it was a very old part of Buffalo. It was established by the German bricklayers. They would come in and they would lay bricks and to create roads and neighborhoods in this part of Buffalo. 
And the house that we lived in happened to be the first general store in Kaisertown, Buffalo. So it was a very cool little house. Not little, big, but. <laughs> um, and I moved in with my parents when I was two and my mom was pregnant with my baby sister. And shortly thereafter, they started a lot of renovations. So when I was little, I had lots of imaginary friends in this house that was being renovated. And of course, everybody has their own little stories about this, but I'm just gonna give my reflections of this house. Growing up in that house, I would encounter lots of things that I would see and hear. And of course, being so little, they just seemed normal. When I was around probably five years old, I always had trouble sleeping. And I remember one night kind of waking up and the light above the stove was on, as it always was. Everybody in the house was sleeping and I was sleeping in my bunk bed. But I peeked over my bunk bed into the kitchen and I could see a man standing by our phone. And we had one of those corded phones up on the walls because I'm old enough to know what a corded phone on the wall was. <laughs> and we're st he was standing there and his elbow was leaning up against the phone with his hand resting on his head. And he kind of had a, his legs crossed kind of casually. He was wearing like a denim jeans, almost like a flannel-like work shirt. And he had a vest on. Um, not a formal attire, very working attire, and he looked dusty. And he was standing there, and I could see his face. I mean, he was, he was, he was just as solid as I was, I, I felt. He was a man standing in my kitchen, staring at me. And he looked at me, and it was like we had locked eyes. I saw him, he saw me. Now, I didn't feel threatened by him. It was almost like he gave me a look as though he's like, I know you can see me. I'm letting you see me. <laughs> it was it was that sort of feel. And for whatever reason, I just remember thinking, okay, that's fine. I feel safe with him. I'm going back to sleep. And I did. I went back to sleep and didn't I didn't get up and tell my mother or anything. And I was little, four or five years old. After that, you know, things were continuously happening. Pictures were coming off of walls, placed in piles. Um just really crazy things. You'd hear things. My sister was growing up and now she was four or five. And I remember her waking up with night terrors. And of course, that's scary for me being on the bottom bunk, listening to my sister scream and cry. And she'd come up with these fevers and, and she'd be panicked about what she saw. And I remember one particular night I woke up, of course, because she's crying. And I look up and there in my room was this beautiful floating white energy mist and I I in my head was like oh an angel is here to comfort my sister is is how I just thought about that isn't that crazy as a little girl it was just normal to see an angel floating in my room <laughs> and it was a beautiful calm presence I felt this beautiful energy and even my sister did because she did calm down and went right back to sleep and it stayed in that room and in that space. And I fell asleep to an angel being there. The next day, I remember waking up and trying to draw it for my mother and say, oh my goodness, this angel was helping Jessica last night. And and it was just beautiful. And, and my mom is like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, didn't bad an eye. I was like, oh, that's wonderful. An angel visited you. But I was like, but you have to understand what it really looks like. And then trying to draw it out. And, and it was all sweet. But it was a beautiful energy, I will say that. Um, now, not everything was beautiful in the house. 
there was also this thing in the basement and my sister was always being lured into the basement during sleepwalking jags. And I remember going into the basement out of curiosity. And that curiosity was probably my downfall. Nothing made me afraid, unfortunately. And there was this statue. I remember as an adult thinking there was this weird statue in the basement. It was, it always had this mischievous look on its face. It looked like this little tiny monk. He had bald hair, but hair like on the side, kind of scruffy and old raggedy clothing. It was probably like three feet tall. It was kind of, you know, kind of thick looking and it was just kind of nasty and mischievous. Never physically hurt me, but it was always trying to get me to do things. Is this, which is weird that as an adult, I remember a statue trying to do these things. Well, we're sharing ghost stories one night with our girlfriends around the dinner table. And I explained what I, I'm like, mom, why did we have that weird statue in the basement? And she said, there was no statue in the basement that ever looked like what you're describing. And my sister, of course, was like, yes, there was. It used to always try and get me to go down into the basement and play with it. And it was always in different spots when we went down there watching us. And my mom had no recall of what it is that we were talking about. And this is the first time my sister and I were very open about what we saw in the basement as you know, early, early twenties, um, adults speaking about this. And we both were like, Ooh, that's eerie <laughs> that we both existed with this thing in the basement, trying to get us to come down there all the time. It's actually something I don't like to think about much as an adult because it was that creepy. And I try not to keep it from coming back into my mind, but those are some of my ghost stories. Um, favorite topic, favorite podcast. Love you guys. Thanks for doing what you do. Hi, Sherry. Thank you so much for this terrifying story. It's amazing. I love how clearly you were able to see this man, this ghost that was in your house and that you got that validation of why he was so dusty. I love that. And I usually think when we happen to see a ghost, they usually want us to see them. And I feel like it's a two-way street for us to be able to see them. They have to allow themselves to be seen. And it sounds like it was this lovely connection between you and he, which is super interesting. And then a basement. Why are basements always so damn scary, Jude? Do you have the answer to that? This reminded me of my childhood. We had this one dank, dirty, gross smelling basement in this one house that I lived in. And you know, it just felt like bad things would happen in a space like that. And this story in particular of seeing that creepy little gnome looking troll entity down there that you and your sister both saw super heebie-jeebies. But at the same time, the way you described it, I was like, oh, I've seen things like that. I sort of categorized them in the like fairy troll kind of realm, sort of going into that demonic energy, but a mischievous kind of little entity. I've seen things like this. I know Patty doesn't have the lens to see it. You're probably stoked not to, but <laughs> in your description, I was like, yeah, I've seen that. And they do, they do have this mischievous, enticing energy. They can influence people to do things that they wouldn't normally be accustomed to doing. And who knows, you know, why it was there or how long or how it got in there. But like, I love that once again, it took, you know, decades long before you all talked about it and realized that it was an actual thing. And it was so scary. I do want to say that this person's mother also submitted a story from her end. And unfortunately I couldn't use it because the audio wasn't clear enough for me to put it in, but it was interesting from her end to 
talk about what it was like raising children in this haunted house and then coming to that day when you were all talking about it and realizing that there was no statue in the basement. <laughs> but great story. Great story. My name is Lacey and I am in Phoenix, Arizona. The first full body apparition story that I have is when I was in elementary school, I'm 37 now for reference, but when I was in elementary school, we lived in this really old house in a city called Chandler. And there was a night that my mom had gone out. My brother and I were hanging out in the living room watching Saturday Saturday Night Live like we typically did. And um, behind us, we heard a noise. And when when we looked, we saw a man holding a bag walk down our hallway. We saw him turn around and walk right back down the hallway again, right back to where he came from. And I still remember all the details of him to this day. And we, I, we didn't realize it was an apparition at the time because we called the police. So we actually called the cops on a ghost. And within minutes, we had 10 police cars surrounding the house. They were walking around the property with flashlights and they didn't find anything. All of our windows were still locked from the inside. There was no evidence of anybody trying to pry anything open to get in the house. Nothing was disturbed that normally was underneath our windowsills. So we, you know, we ended up going to our dad's house for the night for safekeeping while my mom was still out, but that was really scary. It was so real, we called the police. The second story that I have is when I was in high school, we lived in a town called Awatuki, and it was very normal for me to come home from high school, kind of put my backpack down by the stairs, and then go chat with my mom. And we typically would do our girl chats in her bathroom. So when I would get home from school, we would typically just kind of unwind and talk about our days in there. It was very normal. So on this particular day, I walked into her room, and before I could turn the corner to walk into her bathroom, there was a man sitting on her bed, and he was staring at my mother, and he was glowing green. He was an older gentleman. I did not recognize him, but I saw his facial features so clearly. Um, yeah, so his body was glowing green. He was staring at my mom, and... Once I walked into the room and I noticed him, his head turned around, completely spun all the way around and just stared at me. Uh, so I backed up and I ran upstairs to my landline and I called my mom from my room and I said, you need to get out of there. There's a man in the house. Um, and then that's kind of when my mom started to share with me that our family has like this really cool kooky history of of supernatural stuff happening. So those are the first two experiences that I've had seeing full body apparitions. I haven't seen full body apparitions since, but I have had a lot of um, premonitions that come in my dreams, which is really, really cool. So thanks so much. I hope I get to hear this on your podcast. And if I do, I'm just going to scream with excitement because you guys are amazing. Thank you. Thank you for submitting this story, Lacey. Wow. The fact that this apparition was so clear to both of you and your brother that you guys called the police is really fascinating. You know, when people describe how they see ghosts, it, it kind of changes a lot, but most of the time it has a little bit of a shadowy or a holographic quality to it. And this sounds like you both were able to see this so clearly and that this ghost was able to come across so clearly that it's amazing. I see ghosts like this a lot where I could tell you, you know, if I could draw them, I could draw all the details, but they still at the same time have a little bit of a pixelated kind of shadowy quality. And the fact that you were so open to be able to tell your mom about these things that you were seeing. Jude, when you see ghosts, 
Have you ever seen one that clearly that you could have mistaken it for an actual person? Yes and no. Like I've seen spirits manifest into that level of clarity and it was a very short blip, just enough that I was like, if I had not actually seen it appear and disappear, I might've thought for a second, that could have been a real person. Uh, I've always known that they were spirits. So yeah, that is spooky. And I bet you this happens way more often <laughs> than people even realize uh, calling the cops. I wonder how many cops out there have stories of, of showing up at people's houses to finding out it was just a ghost. I was babysitting one time for some neighbors and I was probably about 12 or 13 years old. And there was a crack in the window and I was sitting on the couch and this hand came through the crack in the window, like it was coming around to, the, to cover my mouth or around my face. And I screamed and jumped and I called my mom and my mom came over and we kind of accused the teenage boys next door and their mom said, no, they're not even here. And, and that was a trip. And they looked outside and there was no evidence of anybody like coming through the gate or messing around, but it was clearly this hand that came through and started, you know, I saw it out of the peripheral of my eyes and came around my face. And that looked like a full on human hand. Like that was super clear. We had a same experience. It was me and my sister and my brother were all in my room when we were little. And we had this window that was open and this hand came through it. And my sister screamed bloody murder. And I turned around, remember just seeing the curtain move. I didn't actually see the hand. And she was like, a hand just came through the window. And we called the cops and the cops came and oh, looked. Yeah. And uh, that particular side, I remember, you know, th there's no reason anybody, it was like the backside of a duplex, you know, you'd have to walk pretty far back into the yard in order to stick a hand through the window. But isn't that interesting? We both had a similar experience. Yeah. And the, the people I was babysitting for, they had a huge dog too. And the dog was laying on the couch next to me and didn't make a peep. So I would think if somebody was trampling around the backyard, dog would have alerted us. Hi, lovely ladies. Thank you so much for asking for these stories. Um, it feels super healing to just even be asked. So um, here's my spooky story. It began when my daughter was born. Um, since day one, she's pretty much been sleeping and waking up every two hours there's been screaming and hitting and kicking and running around the house naked at two in the morning four in the morning six in the morning um just awful like super super hard for the whole family for years um and you know we tried everything we went to doctors we took advice from friends, from spiritual, you know, people, spiritual leaders. I mean, we were desperate. We would do anything. Um, you know, and there were many nights where I slept with her trying to ask questions like, is something in the room? Is something need to be healed in me, in our family? What is going on? Um, just trying to get any kind of answers or clarity of how to help the situation. So, of course, one night, like many others, I slept on the floor, asked the same question, but this night was different. My third eye just, like, popped open, um, and I just 
saw this shadow in the corner and super pissed, like super mad, ranting about things I couldn't understand, just really upset. And so I asked the question, like, why, why are you so mad? I would love to hear, you know, what's going on. Um, so he proceeded to tell me, you know, all of these items in your daughter's room are paid for with blood and, um, you know, why do you give her all these things? And I just gave him space to have those feelings and to share them with me. And the more he shared, the lighter he got. And he eventually just became this beautiful, um, just like a hologram, just light being uh, indigenous chief. And he told me his name and he proceeded to paint my face and do a ceremony dance and then he just kind of blip into a, a orb and he was gone um so of course the next day i got his name so i was doing all my trying to get research on him trying to understand like why is he here why is he talking to me um what is happening so um t you know time had passed and uh, I just kind of took it out of my mind and, you know, I'm making dinner, not a, uh, like a special day or anything. And he pops back in. He says, Hey, uh, I like to jump in your body. And I say, okay, sure. Let's, uh, let's do this. So he jumps in, um, and it's like, the world changed. It was like a new perspective on everything. And I still just, the way I see the world is totally different. Um, since he did that, of course, he's out of my body now, but, um, the things I learned and he's shared with me, like how much he's learned. And it was just kind of a, profound thing. I hadn't had that happen like that before. So, um, yeah. And now, you know, my favorite spot in our house is where I saw him. And it's just like this light, clear space. My daughter doesn't have the crazy wake-ups anymore. Like, it seems like things, something was healed. Like, something in me, in dimensions, in the chief. Um, so anyway, that it just kind of had a great ending. So that's my ghost story. Thank you. Okay, Vanessa, great story. And when I was listening to this, I really felt deeply, now I understood why so many people enjoy our podcast, because this feels like a story plucked out of my own world. And unfortunately, almost like every other Tuesday <laughs> where, where I'm just meeting spirits or they're wanting to, you know, communicate directly through me. And th these are a lot of things that happened in my everyday reality that I don't tell people and I don't explain because it's just so out there and it's over the top 
at times, but I love that you had a story that I was like, yeah, this sounds textbook, just like me. This is something that would happen to me. And I love that you are able to hold space for this entity as they process their anger and that in experiencing this entity firsthand through you, you were opened up to another realm or dimension and got insight that you did not previously have and that it changed your life. And I assume for the better. So thank you for that. Hi, Patty and Jude. My name is Emily and I'm from a small town called Fillmore here in California, about an hour away from Santa Barbara. I found your podcast earlier this September and I've been hooked on listening to both of you because I felt so strongly connected. For as long as I could remember, I've always been so perceptive and sensitive to the paranormal or other side. Since I was younger, I was able to feel people's energies, feel their vibes, know when they were good for me or where they weren't to where I would physically get sick and need to leave. I can feel people's emotions and know when something isn't right. I can feel as though I am never alone. It happened in March 2021 into early June. I have one full mirror sliding closet door in my room. When I sleep at night, I slide it all the way to the side where it doesn't point to me so nothing could watch me sleep. In my room, this is the only mirror I have. At the beginning of March, I could feel as though something was watching me from the corner of the closet behind my mirror. I could see it in my mind's eye. I could see that it wasn't very pretty and I knew that it wasn't good, but I wasn't scared of it. So I didn't really care for it until I started getting really irritated that it would never leave me alone. Every night for months, I felt this big shadow with dark eyes and sharp teeth just looking at me, waiting and visiting me in my dreams. I told my mom and nobody else could see it but myself. My mom and sister are also very susceptible, and altogether we decided that praying and saging over my room would help me clear it the best until I felt I needed more help. It was a Sunday night when I told them, and I decided to sage on Monday. On Monday night, I took out my black tourmaline, I lit my sage and my palo santo, and I opened my window to let everything out. As I was saging over my room, out loud, I was praying, asking God to protect me, guide me and telling whatever it was in my room, in my closet, that if it wasn't from God and it wasn't of love and light, that it could not watch me anymore at night and that it needed to leave. As I was praying, I slowly began to feel my room become light again. The stuffiness started fading away and it was all good until I fell asleep that night. In my dream, I was inside a store with really big windows looking out to a parking lot. In my dream, I remember asking my boyfriend to go with me to the store because I was scared. But of course, I went alone. I was alone in the store, but there were so many people that were just trying to look for me. I was hiding, and I knew that I had to get to my car very quickly so that I could go home. I left the store, and looking out, as soon as I walked out, were rows and rows of parking spots filled with cars. My heart started racing because I knew it was going to take me forever to find my car. I decided to turn on my car alarm to try and help me find it, a little bit at a time, until I got close enough to get in and lock the doors. I saw other people trying to find my car, trying to look for me, so I was continuously ducking underneath so nobody could see me. I noticed this person somehow being everywhere I turned. He was wearing what seemed to look like a mask, like a human Halloween costume piece, and I could tell because the eyes were dented in and black underneath. I could feel heaviness, and I could feel myself getting mad that he kept following me, so I decided to go up to him. 
I yelled at him. What do you want from me? You need to stop following me. He didn't say anything, kind of just stared at me, confused as to why I went up to him. I asked him again, what do you want? Why are you bothering me? And he finally responded, can I still watch you? I could see my face in my dream, and I looked at him angrily, because I remember when I was praying over my room, I told the thing that was in my closet that they were no longer allowed to watch me. I yelled at him, you still want to watch me? Are you serious? And he kind of just looked at me, and I looked at him dead in the eyes. I said, you are not allowed to watch me anymore. You need to leave me alone. I pointed to the direction I wanted him to leave in. And I watched him until he completely was gone. As soon as he left, I wanted to get to my car. Didn't want him to come back. I turned on my alarm and finally found my car. People were still looking for me. I got in and I locked it. And as soon as I locked it, immediately, someone on the outside was trying to open my car doors on both sides. They couldn't get in, but I could feel myself shrinking. I started looking all around the car windows when hands started to appear hitting my windows trying to get in. I started sticking up my middle finger to these things outside my car because I was mad and I knew they couldn't get in to get me. I knew I was dreaming and I told myself to wake up. My heart was pounding and it was morning. And after that dream, I had never had an experience with this thing in my closet again. Emily, yours was the last story I listened to in bed. I got done, I looked at my phone, it was 11.11. And I tried to go to sleep and I heard knocking and things in my closet all night long and felt that there was something in there watching me. This was so scary. And I have had this happen quite a bit where I just knew something was there and I felt like something was watching me. And I've talked about this before where when I sense something is there, I ask them who they are, why they're there. And if they don't answer me, I banish them or send them away. But sometimes things just linger. And I've had this happen. And this scared the crap out of me. And I wasn't able to sleep all night long. So I'm happy that when you woke up, it was gone. And that you were really firm and told it you're no longer allowed to watch me. Because that's what we need to do. We need to raise our vibration, come from a place of empowerment, and really be assertive with what we are asking them to do. So asking it to leave was great. So this was a great story, super scary. Yeah, I also love how your dream space was used once again as validating this experience and reaffirming your boundary. So great story. Hi, I'm Ashley from Oregon. Um, First, thank you both so much for this podcast, for sharing your stories and your experience um, and your teaching. It has been so helpful for me and I can't, Thank you both enough. This is one of my ghost stories that I think is kind of cool. I think it's a ghost story. Maybe you can tell me. Uh, About six years ago, I was a bartender, and I had been through a string of really bad relationships with just weird people or people that were just not what I was looking for, and I'd given up, and I decided I was going to live alone forever with cats and be the crazy drunk aunt at all the family holidays and that felt fine for me um then one night I was working at the bar it was pretty quiet night and we worked near these hotels so we would get random businessmen from all over the country so this man walks in he is tall he is beautiful blonde blue eyes like piercing um and he sits down at the bar gets a beer we kind of start talking it's pretty quiet night 
And then he asked me, hey, can I tell you a story? And I was like, yeah, sure. And this is a story he tells me. He said, I had been through a string of really bad relationships and I had given up. And I went into a bar one night and I was sitting there. And then all of a sudden this old woman came up and she sat next to me. And we talked, we chatted. And then she looked at me and she said, you need to wait. And he asked her what she meant and she just smiled and said, no, you need to wait. And he was like, okay. And he got up to use the restroom and when he came back, the woman was gone. Um, within a week, he ended up meeting his wife who was his high school sweetheart. They ended up back together, had a baby, got married, everything was great. Um, so he tells me the story and then he says, I know she was an angel. And I was like, oh, that's so cute, that's beautiful. And then he looks at me very serious. He grabs my hand on the bar, looks me in the eyes, felt like he was staring through me and he just said, you need to wait. And I had chills even now um, run all through my body. And I said, thank you. And then I walked to another table, turned back around and he was gone. There was money on the bar and I never saw this man again. Uh, but within probably two weeks of that, I reconnected with an old friend um, and since then we are married and we have two babies. So he was my angel and he was right. And I just feel like that was a pretty cool story I wanted to share with you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for everything you do again. Hi, Ashley. Thank you so much for this story. You know, after all these scary stories, this one is so sweet and so loving. And I love that you had this angel ghost appear to you talking about an angel ghost that appeared to him. It's just beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing this. Yeah, I love this. And this made me think that angels must frequent bars a lot because, <laughs> you know, I don't know, people go there to sulk in their woes and run away from their problems and, you know, whatever they're doing. But I actually had a situation one time when it was my very first night bartending and I was in the middle of nowhere and it was closing hour and this guy came in and he was drunk and he was crazy. And he was saying that these men had attacked him and they threw him out of a car on the side of the road. And we were in the middle of nowhere. There was like no cell service. There was no way to get a taxi. There was nothing like that. This is like in the middle of a mountain town. And I was so freaked out because I thought that what if these guys that were trying to attack him were going to come into the bar and then I'm here alone and I'm defenseless. And I started praying for help. I was just praying. And then all of a sudden this guy came in. And as soon as he walked in, I just immediately, all my fears melted away. And he sits down and he orders a drink. I give him the drink. I'm just happy that anybody else is there. And he starts telling me how, I don't know why I stopped. I don't even drink. And I'm surprised you're even open. I haven't been here in like 30 years. I'm surprised this bar is even still here. And he says, I'm headed down the road in the middle of the night to this town that's like an hour and a half away. And it's exactly where this guy needed to go. And I was like, oh my gosh, would you mind taking this guy? And he was like, yeah, sure. No problem. Come with me. And he took the guy out of there and I was able to close the bar. This was my first night. He didn't even take, but two drinks off that beverage. And I wow. felt so strongly in every bit of my being that this man was an angel disguised as a human being, or I speculate that there are incarnate angels. Well, I know this because I read people that I know are incarnate angels that may not have 
you know, full recollection, just as we talked about in our star seeds episode that people are these infinite beings from all these different incarnations. And there are beings that are angels incarnate living regular human lives. And maybe at a time of need of a miracle or a message, they're called upon to, to extend that over. And this very well might be what you experienced, but yeah, angels in the bar. I think that's a, a common thing. I love that. My name is Ames Villanueva Alf. I'm from Juneau, Alaska, and I own a restaurant called Black Moon Coven, where this story starts taking place. It starts September 2nd, and I'm in the kitchen working on these food subscriptions, and that is the situation where my specialty is customized, nutritionally balanced meals, and I was doing a video talking more about that, and I kept messing up. And so when I mess up, I have this way of just being like, oh, shit. And I was getting so down on myself that all of a sudden, I kept hearing these knocks down under the basement. We have always said that if people go down in the basement, anyone that works there, we're like, okay, you're going down, you're summoned to the dungeon, because it straight up looks like a Netflix murder setting. <laughs> you go down there, you walk down the stairs and you automatically have this chill and you open the door into the basement and you just look in it and it's just this dark abyss. So they're separated in bays. It straight up looks like a horror movie. And I appreciated that about the restaurant itself. So what happens is my dishwasher is there and he hears that too. And before he leaves, like we don't say anything when it happens, but before he leaves, he turns around and is like, you heard that, right? You heard those knocks? I think they were knocking for you. And I was like, oh, great. Thanks. Thanks for letting me know. So he leaves. I'm in there alone and I'm listening back on the recording and I hear the knocks again. I take my headphones off and... I am just like, I'm like, what do you guys want from me? And they knock again three times. I get up out of my chair and I call my husband who doesn't pick up, which is really unusual. So I call my best friend and I tell her the situation that's going on. And she knows that basement. She loves that basement. And I'm like, I'm going to go shut the door. And she's like, no, dude, just leave. Just, just walk out. And I'm like, no, no, no. Something is telling me that I have to go and shut the door. So I go over there and I lock the top lock and then I lock up the lock on the handle. And as I pivot backwards, I hear it unlock and I run, I run. And I'm into my car, I call my back of the house manager and I let her know what's going on. Um, so if she goes into the kitchen, there's gonna be a surprise because all of my stuff is splayed everywhere. So she tells me that, um, a day before she was having this feeling and she talked to the spirits and she was like, no, we can get along. We can be friends. And then she heard a couple knocks before ascending back up the stairs. And that was the first time she said, you know, something kind of freaked her out. Cause I'm definitely intuitive as she is. And we start learning more about each other's gifts. Once we start talking about this, so the next day, I'm like gung-ho to banish the shit out of it downstairs. And I have my sage, I have my cedar, I have my black tourmaline, I have my pendulum, she has her pendulum. 
we have bird feathers. Like we're, we're there, we're for it. And I have like this almost vibrato of confidence, like no one can take this place from us. I worked so hard on this place and I'm not going to be scared of it. Nothing's going to make me scared. As we walk downstairs, I turn around and I look at her with all of the crystals and the pendulum and the candles and lighters in my hand. And I stare at Ryun and I say, everything I just said up there was just bullshit. Like, <laughs> this is not our space. We're just visitors here. So we go down there, immediately have that feeling of like, something's going to happen. Somebody is just, it, it feels clouded. It feels clouded and there's anxiety and there's stress and you just feel the energy around you is like impending doom. We end up doing the pendulum, which at first I was like, okay, you know, yes or no questions, whatever. What ends up happening is after that moment, I experience that I can channel more than just yes or no. I can, I can start channeling spirits with other people when I see them as well. So after that moment in there, it was almost like an unveiling of something within myself. And then with Ryun, she actually is, um, I've attached her piece to this because she couldn't do a recording, but we have these similarities and these differences between our gifts and they start almost accentuating each other. When we were down there, I ended up seeing a being that had almost like sludge on it. After that situation happens, it takes us like three days to really recover from that. I just chalked it up to all that energy happening all at once. What starts to become very apparent is that there's more than just what lies beneath there. So her and I end up going to the city museum when we start finding out more information. I find out that the building was built in 1908 and it was a slaughterhouse. So that's why those bays downstairs are still almost like you're in a farm. And then the biggest piece of this was that this all kind of came into a cycle. And we find out that in 1918, the Princess Sophia got, was like the biggest shipwreck in all of the Pacific Ocean. And it was downplayed because it was during the first pandemic. So here we are in the second pandemic, and it was irrevocable for me to not pay attention to the signs and the energies of what was happening. We end up finding out that all of the victims, there was no survivors in this tragedy, and they all died because of bunker oil just encapsulating the entire ship. And I find out that they took the bodies to the downtown of Juneau, and one by one they had to clean up every single body. And the thing is, is this basement is a big tunnel that forgoes all the way down to where the bodies were actually resting. And Juneau is all full of these tunnels. Since then, we did a ceremony this October 25th, so this last Monday, 
And that brought a lot of light to things that I thought was going to just kind of be at peace. We did the ceremony and it was beautiful. But then afterwards, currently right now, I'm literally in my in my vehicle because I tried to record this in the restaurant. And as I was speaking about it, I just kept hearing knocking and knocking. So it kind of freaked me out. And um, the ceremony was beautiful, though. We tried to free as many of the spirits as that wanted to be free. And, you know, we turned the lights off. And sometimes the lights do go out down there. And Ryun and I kept seeing this red orb. When we kind of um, dissipated from the ceremony, the red orb was gone. And then there was, like, almost, like, waves of, like, green and gray I, I can't even explain it. I needed to just kind of encapsulate some of the major things that have happened. There have definitely been more personal things that have happened to both of us within this time range. Um, just today, we had one of our baristas watch a cup just fall to the floor when it was definitely on something sturdy. And then as, as I was cooking today, my first pan that I've cooked, and I've been in kitchens for over oh gosh, a baker's dozen years, I've never flipped a pan, and this pan flipped out of nowhere, and yeah, it's just been interesting, because we thought that freeing on the death anniversary, etc., was going to be healing, and it was, it was, but now there's this malevolent spirit that doesn't want to hurt us, but is very, make like, is making it known it's malevolent, um, yeah, I figure that this is it. I've been doing like, this is my fourth take <laughs> and I've been having to change locations because of everything else that's going on in the kitchen, but I'm in my car. I hope you guys are well, and I cannot wait to hear what you guys have in store. Thank you. Ames, thank you so much for the story. And first of all, I love the name of your restaurant, Black Moon Coven. That's so cool. This was scary to a new level because I felt like you were in the middle of this haunting while you were telling the story. And I could hear that little bit of shakiness and that little bit of uncertainty and fear in your voice while you were telling it. It was um, really intense. And I could feel the intensity that you were feeling while you were telling the story. And it was such a great story. You know, there are so many ghosts that haven't crossed over that experienced some horrific death or some trauma that are still here. When I took a trip to Europe and I was going into a lot of the old churches and monasteries and things, there were several that I had to turn around and run away from because I just really felt the energy still lingering there after all of these years. First of all, you are so tapped in to really pay attention to this and recognize all these things that it's wonderful. And sometimes it's not easy to move spirits on. If they're not ready to go, they're just there. And I think that it might be lovely if you tried to make friends with them rather than trying to get them to leave or to fully clear out the restaurant to have a, a, a chat with them, explain to them that you respect them and that you want to respect their space, but that you are trying to run a restaurant here and that you love this building, et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes I feel like we can get rid of them. And other times I feel like we have to make amends and come up with a compromise. Also so amazing that 
you did the research on this and found all these answers out. Really, really cool. Jude, have you ever been in a situation where you weren't able to get rid of spirits, but you were able to kind of, like I said, compromise with them or come up with an agreement that you could both inhabit the space together? Yes. In my history, there's definitely been points where I've tried to get rid of spirits and not been able to do it, but that was a little bit earlier in my career as a medium. Now I'm a little bit more firm about my personal space, but I also have agreements with spirits or have had conversations with spirits where I understand they're just not ready. They need a little bit more time. And yeah, I guess there is a sort of a compromise, but the compromise is stay the hell away from me <laughs> while you process your stuff. That's cool. If you want to process it, you just can't process it here. But uh, I think that all in all, that's actually really great advice, especially in a situation where there's mass trauma, like a ship yeah. sinking, you know, that's a lot, a lot, a lot of energy. And if that's been there for a long time, in addition to who knows what kind of ley lines are up there in Alaska, I mean, there's so many factors that can come into play. So I wouldn't go in headstrong being like, oh, I'm going to, you know, transmute all of this energy. I think it was wise of you to go in a little bit more humble and just kind of feel out the situation. But I really love how empowering this experience was for you and your friend and that the bonding that happened between both of you, because sometimes we don't talk about this openly. And I think that's also another thing that's really great about, I keep bigging up the podcast, but like, you know, I realized through these stories from our listeners, how helpful it is to have this dialogue open and this communication happening that maybe somebody could listen to this episode and break open this conversation with a friend. And now they're both given the opportunity to share what they know and empower each other to bring more strength to the work that they're doing. Like, the two of you coming together, sharing the fact that you both had intuition with spirits and then going in there and doing a ritual or a ceremony to help these spirits cross over. And I agree with Patty, maybe it's not meant that you will clear them all, or maybe you just have to understand that this is deep work and there's many layers of things going on there and to go lightly. And it's one of these things, maybe you have to massage open, you know, it's like one layer at a time, a little bit at a time until you are able to inject enough positive, high vibrational energy into the space that it truly does feel clear. And on a side note, I loved also the name of your restaurant and I looked it up and it's super cool. It's it like, really a, cool. you know, it looked like a kind of a witchy, cool restaurant. And I'll tell you what, Alaska is on my bucket list. If I ever make it up there, I'm definitely going to come in and check you guys out. Definitely. And I wanted to add, you know, it sounds like you guys, you and your friend went in fully prepared to, to do what you needed to do. And you had all your tools with you, but I don't remember you saying that you called in your own guide system. I think that's an important part too. If you are going in and you are confronting these um, very powerful spirits in this space, it's important to really call in your guide system, you know, angelic energy, high vibrational energy, or just say, I'm calling in whoever can assist me with this or whatever can assist me with this so that you don't feel alone and like you have to do it yourself. And in the past, I have had ghosts that would not leave. And I really had to sit down with them for some time and let them share their story with me. It's like they just needed to be heard and acknowledged and respected. And once I did that, then they were able to move on. So again, compromising with them, like until we come to an agreement, you need to stay out of the kitchen or you know, not uh, get in the way of my business. And then calling in enforcements and sitting down and saying, what do you need from me? Or what, what can I do to help you move on? That would be my suggestion. 
I have one, one little kind of fun ghost story to share about my grandmother. And I've spoken about her before. She lived in a room at my mother's house between living alone and moving into a senior center area for a few years. She lived with my mom and she had her own room. And once she passed the light in her room started turning on and my mom would get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and the light would be on in her room and she'd have to go in and turn the light off. And, you know, nobody would sleep in that room for several years, except for me. And the last time I was there, I woke up in the middle of the night to the light being turned on. And I you know, thought, Oh, grandma, Hey, hi, because that's kind of a regular happening around there. And I went to turn off the light and the light would not turn off. And I was pushing all the buttons. And so I had to actually get up and unplug the light so I could go back to bed. And I, you know, it was the middle of the night and I sent her my love and thought I should meditate and see what she has to say. But I was really tired. I went back to sleep and then I was woken up again by the light flashing. And it was one of those things where if someone turns a light on and your eyes are closed, you know, there's a light on. So my eyes were closed and a light came on and I opened my eyes. And as soon as I opened my eyes, the light went off, but there was just that little speck of a moment where I saw the light on and it was unplugged from the wall. So these stories, a lot of them are talking about spirits using physical things to get in touch with us, knocking noises, smells, those type of things. And so really, I just, I'm telling the story because I want people to really pay attention to these things. Don't think, you know, my husband's an electrician. He's like, oh, it's just a faulty wire in the lamp, blah, blah, blah. You know, pay attention to that because it's really lovely if beings are trying to get your attention and you can validate that they're still with you. Great story, Patty. Thank you, Judith. The last story is kind of fun because it's actually my story, but there was somebody with me when this happened. And so what you're going to hear is her side of the story first, and then I'll chime in after and give you my side of the story. Aloha, I'm Lacey and I live on Kauai. So this is a part of a story with Dear Judea. So you're going to hear her part of it. And it was pretty amazing, but I just want to tell you my side of the story here. So, you know, we were in Polahale and we had gone down to Queen's Pond and earlier in the night and we were splashing around. It was amazing because there was bioluminescence everywhere and it was so pretty. It looked literally like the stars up in the sky and the black sky were down on the sand and every time you pressed your foot into the sand it was all these beautiful lights would happen and it literally looked like you were turning on the stars beneath your feet and so it was really fun because we were like oh it's so beautiful and we decided oh let's just you know play in the water and splash them around and it was lovely seeing them so that was in the beginning of our night and we had camped over and so we had found this wonderful place just kind of up a sand dune parked her jeep up there and you know we're having a really good time listening to music and it was just beautiful and staring at the sky and having great conversation and I told Jude um I want to go back down there can we go down there? Cause I want to see if the bioluminescence is still down there. Like that was amazing. And she kind of was hesitant and you know, I mean, I don't know as you all are aware, Jude 
has a connection with Polahali. She's got lots of stories that have taken place there. And it is the place, right, of um, a portal where the dead exit this um, earthly realm. So we go back down there and, you know, kind of just, you could kind of just feel a little odd. And here's my perspective, okay? I'm not a psychic. <laughs> I am intuitive and I have feelings, but I am definitely not on the psychic realm at all close to these beautiful ladies. But we get down there and I'm like, ooh, oh, this is interesting. Both of us kind of were like, are those our feet print in the sand from earlier or what's going on? So we, we already had this feeling that we weren't alone. Okay. This is, again, this is my side of the story. So I just kind of felt that way. Like, yeah, we're not alone. And she kind of was like, oh, this is weird. Not telling me anything else she's saying, seeing. So I'm squishing the ground thing, you oh, know, this is pretty, but I can tell that Jude's not really feeling it. She's kind of like, we gotta, we gotta go now. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> you know, whatever she says, I'm like, yeah, what's, what's going to happen to us? What's happening? What's going on? And so we start kind of walking out of there and I'm like, Jude, let's go then. You said we got to go. I mean, I can't see what's going on. What the hell is going on? And all of a sudden she, she's like, oh, and she ducks and swerves and my, when I get scared, I'm like, ah, that's basically how I sound when I yell. <laughs> and so I'm like, ah, and I dodge with, with her and I'm like, what are we dodging here? Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, let's get out of here. And so we're, you know, speed walking back and she keeps looking over her shoulder and turning around and she's walking backwards, looking over there. And I'm like, Jude, okay, come on, honey, let's, let's go. And we get up to our campsite and I'm just kind of, I'm feeling it, man. I am feeling whatever the feels are and it was intense. Okay. And so we both sit down on our cots and she's like, okay, just, just give me a moment here and just hold on one moment. Yeah. I'll take all the moments you need. And literally I am sitting next to her just I don't know what the hell just happened, but I am deeply on every level feeling this. I don't know if my heart has ever thumped and pumped <laughs> the way that it did. And I had the all over, it was like this, this vibration, this vibrational energy just all over my body. And I was just like, whoa, whatever this is I gotta sh I don't know how to shake this off this is intense and so I'm sitting over there and I'm just like with love and gratitude whatever's going on you know whatever it is just send it with love and gratitude and it's all good and it's, you know our space is protected and then she finally is able to talk to me hence enter Jude's side of the story of what took place is mind-blowing mind-blowing but from my side of the spectrum not being able to witness or see what she saw wow I felt it I straight up felt it to the core of my body 
like nothing else and it was it was amazing it was amazing it was intense um after she was done doing her thing it felt obviously a lot better and everything was cleared and everything was was much better but um yeah so if you ever find yourself with one of these ladies or a psychic and they're kind of hesitant about something oh man <laughs> maybe maybe don't second guess them or ask them if they want to go do something unless they seem really driven to want to go do it she's just such a sweet friend that she um she took me down there to witness and pick up on um spirits that clearly needed her help clearly needed her help to pass and i am so grateful that i was able to be a part of that and that i was able to you know hopefully help her in um just being there to facilitate a space for these spirits to be able to go into the light and be in a better space so love and gratitude so grateful okay so I love Lacey's rendition of this story. And I got to tell you, I can't even listen to it without cracking up in the middle of it because I was there and Lacey's way of telling it seems a lot more calm than the way I remember it because the way I remember it was like, I was running on 10, I was freaking out. Um, but just to give you a little bit of a backstory of Pola Hale, and for those of you who who haven't heard it, if you listen to the very end of Ghost Stories 2, I tell you about a very intense story that happened there at Polahale. And, you know, in my experience of going there for almost 20 years, if you're driving into Polahale, there's about like six or so pull-offs with different campgrounds uh, going all the way to the end of the beach where the mountains kind of connect into the ocean so you can't go any further. And I have stayed at every single one of these campgrounds many times. And what I've learned is I like to stay at the spot furthest away from where the corner is because simply put, there's just not as much spirit activity. There are spirits there that I will see, but it's just kind of like few and far between, maybe one, maybe two, maybe none at all. And I feel like I get a way more restful experience, but still get to experience all the beauty and the light and the stars of the beach without having to like process dead people. And so it had been like a lot of years, to be honest with you, that I have even moved closer to the end of the beach. I just tend to avoid it specifically at night. The Queen's Pond that she's describing is the ocean comes into the beach and there's a little bit of a dip in the beach. And when the tide goes out, what's left is this little pond that's just sitting in the middle of the sand and it's super cool. It's it's still and, and shallow, so it's great to soak in. And anyways, there's certain times of the year that this happens. And we happened to be there on a night that the bioluminescence was in bloom, which I have seen before, but that was... I think 17 years earlier, and it was during the first few weeks that I was dating my now husband, we went there and went to the Queen's Pond and saw the bioluminescence. So I hadn't seen that in 17 years. It's super rare to, and very special to see it. So when we had gone down there earlier in the night, 
I kept just being reminded of the time that I had been there 17 years earlier and I was with my husband. But if you can understand, I wasn't trying to divulge to my husband that I saw dead people to the level, you know, it took some time. I was like, you know, I'm kind of falling in love with this guy. I don't want to spook him out. Right. But when we were down there 17 years earlier, there were, I would say about a dozen dead people hanging out at the pond. And specifically what really stands out to me is when I had looked over, I saw these three little kids and they were all like under 10. And one of the kids turned and looked right at me and he looked very pale with sunken eyes. And it was super sad. I mean, seeing dead people is intense in itself, but seeing dead children is like on a whole nother level. So this imagery always really stuck out to me that this is what I saw. And I also made an observation at that time. And I thought it was so curious that these spirits that I knew were down there were interacting with that pond. So I was like, oh, well, they see the beach as we do. There's water there and they see it. And just as if there was like a lake in the park and people would be skipping stones or reading a book by a tree by the water and just enjoying the scenery. It was almost like the spirits I saw looking around this little pond were enjoying it just as like living people would do, except that they were not living. And as we were down there and after we got past the excitement and freak out of seeing the bioluminescence, I immediately was getting very uncomfortable. I was like, I just want to go. I just want to get out of here. I could already feel the density and like that eerie middle world kind of vibration. And I didn't want to ruin Lacey's time, but I was like, kind of being like, okay, let's go, let's go. And so we finally went back up to the campground. And then of course, a couple hours later, she's like, can we go back down there? And I literally ignored her question like five times. <laughs> I kept like changing the subject because I knew, I knew if we went back down there, I was going to see those dead people again. And I see dead people all the time you know, at this point in my life, I'm not interested in purposefully encountering it. I hardly get any vacation time. Like I just wanted to enjoy the night. I didn't want to have to process dead people. I just was not in that space. And anyway, so I, I finally give in and she really wants to go down there. So we, we start walking down there and it's probably about a three minute walk from where we were camping down to the Queens pond. When we get about halfway there, Oh my God. I just like, I it immediately started. I just felt like movement, you know, to my left, to my right. Things were like walking by me. I felt movement. And I want to explain to you, you know, it's such an intense frequency that it's like my frequency has to adjust until I start seeing things in full embodiments. And I could feel my frequency dropping. I could feel myself aligning. The more I was attuning to what was going down there, the more clear what was actually down there came into vision. So at first it started with these movements to the side of me. It just felt like people were walking by me. Like I could feel them brushing against me and it was like one and then another, and then it felt like two and three. And then, and it was happening more often and more increased. And so by the time we had gotten down there, I was actually seeing wisps of like shadow or like a gray misty movement that was about human height. So I knew they were people, but I couldn't like make out their silhouette at that point. And there was so much movement happening around me that I was getting really uneasy. And that was at the point that I said, uh, what are all these footprints here? Like, are these ours? And she, and she was feeling it too. Like we were both uneasy, but I didn't want to freak her out. So I just kept my mouth shut. Meanwhile, she's kind of like playing in the water and I'm like looking around and I'm just seeing these misty apparitions getting more and more solidified by the second. 
And at one point I could hear their footprints like slapping in the wet sand, like pop, 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 like walking right by me, like clear as clear as clear. And then at one point, Lacey and I were standing right next to each other. And this beach is in the middle of nowhere. There's literally nobody else camping out on this beach. And I hear splashing, like somebody's like jumping in the water and I'm turning around and I'm like, Lacey, did you hear that? Are you hearing that? And she's like, what? And I'm flipping out because I can't believe she can't hear it. And I, all I got to say is when you hear like an audible haunting with that level of clarity, it is like this freakiest thing. And it was tripping me out that she couldn't hear these footprints and she couldn't hear the splashing that was happening in the water. And all of this was happening so fast. And at one point I turned and there I see like a group of them congregated in this one little section. And now I'm seeing faces. I saw like a bunch of faces and they're looking at me. And that was at the point that I looked at Lacey and I was like, we need to go now. Like I said it like that. Not like we need to go now. It's <laughs> <was> like, we're <laughs> going now. And so she didn't even bat an eyelash. She's like, yep, we're going, we're out. And we start walking, right? Mind you, my visual sense is just seeing like wisps of movements and bodies moving by me. So I'm relying on her eyes to get me back to the campground because it's the middle of the night and there's no light there. We can't see where we're going. And she's relying on me to see whatever I'm seeing that she doesn't know. So if you can imagine, she's like, what are we running away from? What's happening? You know, and it's all happening so fast. Even I can't even process. I'm in disbelief that this is even happening. So we're starting to walk back, but it felt like the best way I can describe it is like, it was like, I was carrying a parachute behind me, like with like these long strings and this heavy parachute was dragging behind me and I'm walking and I'm like telepathically just sending this message out to whoever's behind me. Please do not follow me. Please stay where you are. Just stay at the pond. Don't follow me. And I just feel this like dense heaviness, like creeping closer and closer. So I turn around just to be like, am I losing my mind right now? Like, is this even happening? And I turn around and sure enough, there's like this mob of energy. And at this point, these beings were at like 50% manifested, meaning like they were still see-through, but I could make out their faces and their eyes and their head and their shoulders. And if you can imagine, there was like, it looked like at least 20 or so of them all gathered together. They're all walking towards me and I can see these faces and they're all looking at me with this like really sad look of desperation in their eyes. And I have to explain to you you know, dead people look like dead people, a more or less a really bad description is they sort of look like zombies, not like night of the living dead with like pustules and like, you know, gaping wounds, but they look sunken in and sullen and frail and skeletal and old and just they are so depleted of life. So, you know, visually it's like intense, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, they're following me. And so we start walking again and I once again, just get this heavy feeling just creeping up on my back. And I'm trying to tell them, please don't follow me. Please don't follow me. And I turn around again and now there's more of them and they're even closer. And that was at which the point, one of the ones that was in the front started to manifest super clear, like, like what we were saying, like when they come in really solid and not that it was jumping at me necessarily or attacking me or anything, but it was so shocking. And so it was like that fight or flight response. I ducked and dodged and I was like, ah, you know? and so that definitely spooked Lacey out. She's like, ah, she was like, run. <laughs> she was like, in her story, she's like, I was like, ah, no, no. She was like, run. 
and I realized, okay, I need to calm down. I need to calm down. Cause I knew I wasn't threatened by them. I knew they weren't going to hurt me, but it was just a lot. And I haven't seen this many spirits down in Polahale since that one story I told in ghost stories too, which was like almost 20 years ago. It was a long time ago. So I immediately at that moment was just like, don't turn around anymore. Just walk, just follow Lacey. Let's get back up to the campground. And so we walk back up into our campsite and we had these cots there and we sit down. And when I sit down, I have to turn around and look at like the little entrance. This was like a little nook that was maybe like 30 feet in diameter. And it was like surrounded by all these bushes. So it was like this little hidden nook on top of the sand dune. And then they just start piling in. They just start piling in. And I have to admit, I had a really like bratty human moment. And I was like, great. Now the night's ruined. Like now I have to deal with all these dead people. I was annoyed, to be honest with you. I was like thinking, as Patty said, a lot of times when spirits come around, you got to talk to them. They want their story heard. They want to be acknowledged. And, And here now I'm turning around and it looks like at least 50 of them are just piling into this little space with us. And I looked to Lacey and I said, you need to give me a minute. And so I sat down and to my surprise, they all piled around me in a neat little circle, like sitting like you know, lotus style, kneeling, standing, and they all maintained their socially distance six feet from me. Oddly enough, they were all about six feet around me, but they all got in this really nice circle and they just were looking up at me and just staring at me. And I immediately understood that they were trying to be respectful of my space, but at the same time, it seemed like... I don't know. I don't, I don't understand, you know, that they were drawn to me. I don't know what I look like to them or what it's like for them to be walking down this beach and and not be acknowledged by the living. And then somebody being there who can see them. So I'm sitting down and it literally felt like, you know, when we were kids and we'd go to the library for story time and all the kids would gather around and they're like looking to the librarian to tell the story. And I looked to them and I was immediately humbled. And I spoke to all of them. I said, I'm so sorry that I'm so overwhelmed by all of you. It's not that I don't care. It's just a lot. And um, one of the spirits looked to me and he says, we're sorry, we don't mean to frighten you. And then I looked at all of them and I said, you know why you're all here, right? I said, you've all died and you're on your way back home. And I wish you all well and blessings and ease and grace on your journey. And in that moment, I called in, like in my mind's eye, I just called in every angel, every spirit guide that I could muster, anyone on behalf of any of these beings that were sitting in front of me. And this is what I said. And then the craziest thing happened. I I don't know how to explain it, but I, I was sitting there and my best description is like, if you can imagine like sheets of plywood, And then they all flopped open. And you know, when like a big sheet drops, like this gust of wind pops out from underneath where the panel falls, these panels opened up around me and they fell to the ground and all of those spirits just went and just disappeared like a cloud and everything was gone. But what tripped me out was the panels when they opened, I saw them just for two seconds, just, I saw this image on the panels and each panel looked somewhere between a lotus petal and a fan. And it had a coffin with a skeleton laying down in it with its arms crossed. And this panel opened up like this portal and all the spirits left all at once. And that's when I looked to Lacey and I was like, oh my God, you're never going to believe what just happened. And for me, On my end, I have never up until that point ever crossed more than one spirit over at a time. 
my whole life, it's just been one at a time. If I've ever encountered a place like went to a hospital or like, you know, a prison or, you know, some area that had a ton of spirits, I would be so overwhelmed that I would just be putting up all my walls. I'd be shutting down. I'd be like, it's too much for me to handle. I'm just like moving through the space. I don't want to deal with all these dead people. It was very enlightening for me to think, wow, I've just been given the template of what it looks like or the portal that needs to be open or how it's done and able to cross many over it in one thought, in one intention. And I was kind of almost a little bit ashamed of myself that I've been like so coldly trying to shut dead people out of my reality just so I could live a normal life. And then I'm ignoring all these people. And uh, anyways, it was a very big spiritual lesson for me. And I've kind of changed my tune now. Like I'm not just going to ignore them anymore. And that's my story. Wow. That's amazing. So you've talked about Pole Holly before that it is a portal. How were these people here? Like, I would think that you would send people to Pole Holly, but these people were at Pole Holly. Mm -hmm. This is a great question because I've been mowing over this in my mind and my experience of seeing them there. And there's definitely a sense of, of ones who pass through, they come in and they walk right out. It's almost like that beach is like a hallway. You know, it's like they they enter in in the hallway and then they move out. But then what I've noticed over the years is there's these ones that come in and then they kind of meander and they kind of walk around. And I don't think that they're fully cognitive that they have passed. And I theorize that maybe this portal is like a holding space for them to process their death. You know, maybe in, mm-hmm. in their reality, it's just but a few seconds, but from the earthly realm, it looks like they're maybe wandering for a few days or many moments or whatever, but it almost feels like it's a holding space for spirits to just decide, are they ready to let go of life and move on into the next phase? Because I also get the sense with the ones that I feel lingering that they're kind of confused. Like they're kind of like, well, we're here, they're here. What's going on? Where are we? Like, it doesn't feel like they are super clear on what's happening. And I've had many occurrences over the years where I literally had to tell spirit you've died. And this is the place of your crossing that opens the doorway to where you're trying to go. So that's my theory about it. I don't think it's a automatic. I think it's just a hallway between and however long it takes you to, to decidedly go is really up to each individual soul. Amazing. I want to thank everybody for your submissions and for your support for everything that you do and all the amazing comments and of gratitude that you've given us through all these stories. This was a lot of fun. And, you know, I have a feeling we'll probably do this again in the future. Yes. Thank you all for your submissions. This was so fun and we had such a good time listening to them and it's so validating for us. And I hope that some of these stories are validating for you out there and we appreciate our community. And thank you all again for taking the time to send these great stories in. If you want to know more about what we do, you can visit us at spiritspeakerspodcast.com or visit our Instagram page at spiritspeakerspodcast. Thank you for your comments and interacting with us for the positive reviews and for your donations because this helps us keep this podcast going. Much love and aloha. Take care.